Well, well, well. Hi, everybody. Yes, that's me. I'm back in the blue room. I've been herded back into the studio with a fanatical desire for high-quality audio, as I generally have. The audio has to sound better than me. I may not have the same singing voice as Freddie Mercury, but by God, I can have a similar level of audio recording quality. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. How are you guys doing this evening? Hello from New Jersey. Hey, how's it going? Audio coming through good and nice and tasty and toasty and clear and crackly. <laughs> Steph's blue. Abadi, abada. Good day from Melbourne. Melbourne, Melbourne. You like the uh, new setup? It's an old setup, but I'm back. I'm back. Camera so high def, I, uh, I add more. Hello from Toronto. Stop typing and get indoors. For God's sakes, it's my favorite Irish potato. Yeah, with eyes and everything. Hi from Sherwood Forest. Love your tax rebellion. Hello from Cleveland, Ohio, 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 Ohio. What's that? Cleveland Rocks is that old song. Who the hell sung that? Cleveland Rocks, Cleveland Rocks. used to be the intro for the old Drew Carey show, if I remember rightly. But we have a lot to chat about tonight. Good evening from London, Greenwich. Hello from Quebec. Again, stop typing. Get the hell indoors and do not question your police. That is the way of the new world. And who are we to argue other than, I don't know, people who think? People who think? All right, uh, I'm going to Long Island. Uh, the island they named after your penis, I believe. Oh, wait, that was Thick Island, hanging slightly to the left. Hello from Switzerland. Congratulations on the NFT bidding. Would love to have that gem. There's more. There's more. I actually have about 500 unreleased shows. Not big sort of monstrous presentations like that one, but there are... A lot. There are a lot. Hello from Illinois, as my daughter would refer to it. Illinois, Illinois, from our days playing Scrabble. Connecticut here, still getting taxed to death. Hello from Tokyo, Japan. Pretty based, eh? Tokyo, like the Japanese are like, no BLM stuff for the Olympics. You can't kneel, you can't pull any of that crack. Difference between UPB and love your neighbor as yourself. What if you hate yourself? Have I heard about the pastor who was arrested in Calgary? Yeah, well, he was released, but he's released just for a time being, right? Yes, it is. Uh, it's horrendous. I mean, it's you, you don't see them trying that at mosques, do you? <laughs> right? I mean, unfortunately, it's just whoever the government is most afraid of now runs social policy, and it's got nothing to do with reason and evidence. And that's one of the reasons I ain't in politics anymore. Hello from the Toronto Gulag. Yeah. Do you know? You guys know, right? I mean, there are literally people out there who've spent basically 14 months locked in a little condo. Um, it's really, really terrifying, uh, the, the thought of this. Absolutely terrifying. And they're never getting better. Like, this, that, that, that level of fear, that level of terror, I mean, that is completely... Uh, that's a one-way street. There's no coming back from that. If you spend 14 months terrified of something, the idea that you're just going to go back to normal, that there is a normal to get back to. Oof. Horrendous, horrendous. What's your opinion on line five? Uh, one, one more than four and less than six. I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry. Hello, Steph. Our Dow Jones is down 1491 points. Could be worse. Could be 1488. Ah! From its high just 48 hours ago with little good news to change that course. 
Well, of course, the Palestinians are basically half at war with the Israelis. You've got gas lines, hyperinflation on the horizon. The new CPI inflation numbers are 4.3 or at least 0.4 points higher than any economist guessed in their worst nightmares. You got a jobs report that was expecting a million came up at 200,000 and change. And everyone's getting what they voted for. I am, I am not one to stand between people and the consequences of their choices. You reason with people, you give them evidence and facts and all that beautiful stuff, and then they vote like retarded lemmings running off a cliff, and then they fall, and they say, oh my god, I can't believe there's no gas. Well, he did cancel the Keystone Pipeline now, didn't he? And so, yeah, people are getting what they vote for, and I am, uh, you know, I, I, if they can't learn from that, they sure as hell weren't going to learn from you or I, so that's all we can do, right? Here in Toronto, looking forward to our one-dose summer. Vaccine available for 12 to 16-year-olds now. Yeah. You know, I've taken 100% of the vaccines approved by government regulatory agencies. I've taken 100% of those vaccines, which is to say that there aren't any, at least for COVID. Arthur Polowski is one tough pastor. Well, it's the ski, right? It's the ski. I have a friend who's uh, Polish who uh, is, is frightened and angry at creeping socialism and communism. And... Uh, you just have to live under it for a certain amount of time. You know, it's like watching a, a much-beloved uncle spend three godforsaken years dying of lung cancer and then coming across people who are younger smoking like chimneys. And you're just like, don't do it, don't do it. But, you know, they're probably going to do it. So here in the UK, they're saying things will open up again. We'll see. Well, yeah. Well, now, now of course, they're saying, well, you're still going to wear a mask because, you know, the <laughs> it's only 90% effective the uh, vaccine, right? So. New glasses. Actually, you know, these are kind of old glasses. Israel versus Palestine. Which side you want? I did a whole presentation on Israel and Palestine many years ago. You can go and check that out. Um, I'm not as, I'm not on the, I'm on my side now. I'm on my side and I'm on your side. I'm on the side of people who listen to reason. I'm not on any collective group's side anymore. So Bitcoin is at a nice dip. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, can we get a round table on crypto lending? There's some amazing interest opportunities. So you lend people your crypto and then they give it back to you with interest? Is that, that's the idea? That's the plan? That just doesn't seem to make uh, any, any sense at all. I mean, why wouldn't you just hold it? You get 200% a year from holding it on average. So why wouldn't you just hold it? Why, why would you want to give it out? What's that old? It's a great, uh, it actually had quite an influence on me. It's an old Jerry Seinfeld line. Where he says, you know, I've made some money and, and everybody says to me, hey, you got to put your money to work. And he's like, no, 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 I'll do the work. My money can stay home because, you know, you put your money to work. You send your money out to work. You know what happens? And sometimes it just gets fired and poof, it's gone. Line 5 is the oil pipeline that Michigan is trying to shut down. Ontario and Quebec would see an oil shock. Yeah. What can I say? Right? Um, it, it'll probably happen during winter. And right now there's this, uh, what is it, a gas pipeline of the U.S. got hit with a cyber attack and uh, they had ransomware and all of that. So the government stuff, what they want to do is they want to put, put progressive, literally progressive, blocks and breaks in front of the free market. So then when, because people are not smart, right? I mean, generally not, not smart. I mean, even, even by average, right? So what's going to happen is, they are creating massive shortages 
in oil and gasoline. And then the price is, of course, going to rise because that's what happens when you have a shortage. And then they will attack the companies for price gouging, right? They've done this over and over and over again up here in Canada, right? They say, oh, there's price gouging. And then they do these massive multi-year investigations that tie up unbelievable resources from the oil and gas companies. And then they say, well, we couldn't really find any evidence of price gouging. You know what's price gouging? Raising fucking taxes. That's price gouging. Doubling uh, taxes on investments and corporate taxes. That's price gouging. Because what happens is, and this is an old thing, I think Dr. Thomas Sowell talked about this, is that the one thing that's nice for the elites about having the remnants of a free market is they have the middleman, like the buffer that they can, that people will blame for the government's bad policies, right? So uh, if you, uh, if the government is doing really bad policies, they are hyper printing the money, they are shutting down ways of accessing and transporting oil and gas, then of course the price of oil and gas, it goes up and up and up. And you don't get mad at the government because you get mad at the gas station. And the gas station is kind of a helpless pawn of supply and demand at this point. So the government loves it, having this middleman. They absolutely need it. This is why fascism, which is kind of where we're at fascism at the moment, but fascism and communism, two sides of the same coin. So, yeah, they, they love having people that you can get mad at that aren't the government. Oh, this damn gas company's raising the price. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> good luck with all of that, right? Did the big guy put Hunter in charge of the gas pipelines in USA? Uh, let's see here. Everything seems to be selling off. Nothing is safe? No. No, nothing's... Uh... There were a lot of... Sh- uh, there's a lot... Okay, my very second podcast, very second podcast, and the very first one I ever did in a car, was the difference between speculation and investment. So investment is, you know what the hell you're talking about, you know the business, you know the space, you've done the research, you know the people, you know the product, you know the customers, you know what's going on, and you invest wisely for the long term. That's, that's called being an investor. A speculator is somebody who looks at a bunch of bullshit graphs and says, I'm going to buy the dip and sell the high. And uh, generally, they do fairly badly, uh, particularly the shorter they, they run. So nothing's selling off. In fact, if you look at the sales of Bitcoin in particular, it's all short-term people. It's all people who've had the coins for a very short amount of time. The long-term people are quietly siphoning off all of their coins and putting them off the exchanges and into cold storage, which means they're getting in there for the long haul. Winter is coming, baby. Winter is coming. And people are like, well, I'm, I'm going to store my crypto and um, I'm going to wait for hyperinflation to hit. And then my Bitcoin's going to be worth half a million dollars. And that's real, well worth it. Greetings from Utah, one of three states who introduced gold-infused currency. Not super cool, but that's all I got. Eh, That's not bad. That's not bad. Did you see Sadiq Khan won again in London? Sure, because Muslims vote for Sadiq Khan, and I mean, that's what they import people to vote for the left. It's pretty natural. Bring back the chair, Steph. Uh, It's here. I'm just, uh, I'm in a stand-in mood because I had to do some sitting today for work. Scottish nationalists won Scottish election, but they want mass immigration. Globalist chills. Yeah, for sure. All right. Hello, Steph, and everyone in the chat. Hello back. The ransomware attack was probably just the CIA. (laughs) What's your opinion on Fedcoin? (laughs) You mean government crypto? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So the only thing that makes Bitcoin uber valuable is the fact that it's limited. 
And so there's no way the Fed coin is going to be limited. They're going to say, uh, well, it's going to be subject to sensible uh, expansions based upon the level of economic activity and the optimum plan for growth and blah, blah, blah. We're going to keep employment down. We're going to keep uh, investment up. We get all of this magic wand bullshit, right? So the Fed coin, whatever federal crypto is going to come about, it's going to be controlled by the government and there's no way on hell or God's green acre that they are going to limit that coin and say, well, there's only 21 million Fed coins ever. Like, like Newfoundland here in Canada has hit such a fiscal wall. Newfoundland was basically bribed into, like in the late 1940s, they just bribed the Newfoundland government to join Canada and that uh, they've been living, you know, high off. Canada is just one big socialist bastard case where the, the socialist provinces leech off the remnant capitalist provinces. And I think only Ontario is left. There was Ontario and BC and Alberta was there for a while, but... Uh, it's just a complete leech, and the, sorry, but the, the worst leeches are, are Quebec. Uh, Quebec are just, you know, uh, this is what Justin Trudeau said before he became prime minister. He said, Canada belongs to Quebec, you know, in the same way that uh, not a lot of people think that America runs its own affairs, right? So uh, now people won't even lend to Newfoundland because they just know there's, no, there's just no way that they're going to be able to pay it back. So, yeah, there's, there's no way that the Fed coin is going to mimic uh, any of the real valuable stuff to do with uh, with Bitcoin. So I'll just use it for tracking you, right? Uh, Steph, have you been to therapy since the deplatforming? I hope what you, I hope you're doing well considering. I donate through Locals now. Love you, man. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's freedomain.locals.com, freedomain.locals.com. You can uh, support me there if you want. I, I would appreciate that, of course, enormously. You can, of course, just go to freedomain.com forward slash donate where I take a wide variety of crypto. I appreciate your help and support with regards to that as well. Thank you. Uh, you are stating precisely what I'm seeing, Steph. Our left is extremely good at creating shortages in products from lumber to food. Oh, yeah, of course, because then they can say capitalism. See, capitalism doesn't work. There's too much price gouging. <laughs> you know, I, I, what can you do? Uh, you, I mean, I, I've been doing it for six, well, I've been doing it since I was 16. So close to 40 years, my mid-teens, I started getting into this kind of stuff. So close to 40 years, and this is where we are. So let's see here. If inflation is so high, why are people selling stocks and crypto? Well, I'll tell you if you like. Sorry, that's a bit redundant. I assume you're mentioning this because you want some feedback. And um, we'll get into a voice chat in a couple. I just wanted to uh, uh, get this uh, uh, sorted out. But okay, so This is the reality of investment. It's the psychological aspect of investment. So wealth is a tough thing. I, I was just talking about this in the roundtable that we did yesterday on altcoins. Wealth is a very tough thing for people. And what happens is if you succeed, then what about everyone else in your life? Like what, you, you, what do you do, right? There's an old Friends episode. It's kind of interesting where... The three friends who don't make much money are complaining to the three friends who do make money that, you know, you guys want to go to concerts, you want to go out for dinner, we can't afford that stuff. And it becomes, it tears people apart, right? So let's say that you uh, do really well in the crypto trading market and you make a million dollars, right? Okay, a million dollars. Or maybe you got it off uh, Robinhood or maybe you got it off GameStonk or whatever, right? So you got a million dollars, right? It's a big part of your life. You're very happy about it. You're very excited about it. And what do you want to do? You want to tell your friends. I just made a million dollars. 
pre-tax. Okay, it's not quite a million dollars, but you're excited and you're, oh my God, this is fantastic. I want to, yay me, right? And what do your friends, I'm sorry, in general, it's not always the case, but what do your friends do? Your friends, hey man, I'm, I'm so, I'm real pleased for you. That's good, good for you, man. Fantastic. Why didn't you get me in on it? I mean, whatever, right? And then you like, hey, you know, um, I got a million dollars. I want to buy X, whatever it is. Spend, spend the money. Spend a bit of the money. And your friends, uh, they can't, right? They, they may be broke. They may be making less money because of. So if you make money, it, it puts like an elastic band that most people have with their prior self. It's this elastic band. So you, you're rooted in some place. You're born in some place. And then there's this elastic band where. How far can you stray from your roots? It's a very, very big question. If you look at a lot of the wealthy people, not all, of course, but a lot of the wealthy people come from at least middle class and usually upper middle class backgrounds. You tell me, somebody who's become super rich, who doesn't come from at least middle to upper middle class background, you know, comfortable life, professional parents, uh, a car or two in the garage, uh, no particular issues about money. Um, and, and most people do, right? So they're kind of stretching up from there, right? The number of people who become very wealthy, who come from a very poor background, is very few. Because it's a big, are you willing to give up everything and everyone that, that you came from? That's well, a tough thing for people, right? So what, uh, the reason why people are selling now is that it's the, 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 the rubber band is getting stretched too, too long. Like they've made some money and they're like... I feel, I feel anxious about making more. I feel nervous about making more. What if I make more? What am I going to have in common with the people around me? What am I going to talk about? Because it's the one thing that's consuming my brain that I can't share with my friends. If I share it with my family, that like, it's, it's tense. It's tense coming into a lottery. I mean, look at all the people who win the lottery. It's a complete disaster, right? So the question in life, which you have to ask yourself, is what do I think I'm worth? What do I think... I'm worth. Big question. What do you think you're worth in love? What do you think you're worth in your career? What do you think you're worth in terms of money or influence or authority or credibility? Or what do you think you're worth? What do you think you're worth? And if you dig deep down, there's a battle, right? And if you dig deep down in your heart of hearts, there's a battle. And there's a battle between your desire, your thirst to like Icarus, like a god, and to stand across the world like a colossus. That's your deep down desire, which we all have. Opposing that desire is everyone else around you who needs you to stay small. Psychologically, emotionally, they need you to stay small, right? It is the nail that sticks up that gets hammered down. It is a tall poppy that gets cut down. And if you rise too much, you will gain the attention of people more powerful than you, and they will try and smack you down. Trust me, I know this one, right? So there's a war. You want to be great, but the people around you want you to stay small. For a variety, we, we could go into 10,000 different reasons for all of that, but I think you kind of understand where I'm coming from, right? You want to grow, you want to hit the orbit, you want to go to Mars, and other people are like, let's just stay in the bunny warren, man. <laughs> It's dangerous up there. It's scary up there. And if you look at Pride Goeth Before a Fall, the story of Icarus who flew too high with wax holding his wings as he shrugged his shoulders and he flew too close to the sun and the sun melted the wax and he <laughs> fell. 
And the people who tried to build the Tower of Babel to meet God all fell down, right? If you reach too high, if you reach too far, you're fucked. You're fucked. And this battle is really, really important to understand because it will make or break your life. How you resolve this battle will make or break your life. I mean, I wanted to be huge. I wanted to be massively influential. I wanted to be the greatest of all time. I mean, that's my goal. My goal is to be the greatest philosopher of all time. <laughs> it's not up to me, of course, whether I achieve it, but I'm telling you, that's my goal. That's, I was just reading a book with a chapter on me today where the guy was saying, yeah, he's our modern Plato. Stefan Molyneux is our modern Plato. And, you know, at some point between now and 500 years from now, people will recognize that deeply and innately. And that's how I work. And that's how I aim. And that's what I try to, to achieve. That's my goal. I've never, <clears throat> never understood why you'd aim for the middle. I've never understood that. I mean, you don't know what you're capable of. You don't know what treasures are buried deep in you that the storm of ambition can't uncover and send to the sky. I mean, I, why would you want to aim small? Why would you want to aim minimum? Well, not because you want it, but because everyone around you is going to get messed up. I mean, you know this. If you've, seen, if you've ever known a couple, got two fat people in a couple, and one of them starts losing weight. Let's say the guy starts losing weight and exercising, gets a haircut, and boom, what happens? His wife starts to get really anxious and starts to undermine him because now he's going to be more attractive to other women and she's losing some control over him. He's got more options and she gets really tense and she gets really stressed. And rather than join him on his journey, she simply says, oh, have some cannelloni. Oh, a piece of cheesecake's not going to kill you. You just worked out yesterday. Let your body rest and recover. I just drag you down, drag you down, drag you down, drag you down. That's the way of life. That's the way of life. If you want to rise, there are people who are just going to stab your balloon with their own thwarted ambitions, with their own, well, I gave up and stay small. And I thought that was, I, I, it's a, my decision to stay small is only a good decision if you don't enjoy being big. So I'm either you're not going to be big or I'm going to make you miserable if you're big. Uh, I remember dating. Oh, ooh. <laughs> so I remember dating a woman. Uh, it was a pretty long relationship, a little on and off. Up and down like the Assyrian Empire. But when I got my very first office, co-founded a software company, I worked at home for a while, of course, as you do at the beginning, finally got my office. And I remember the girl that I was dating came in to the first office, like a bunch of offices, and then she came into my office. And you know, you know what she said? Oh, this is when I was pretty sure things were gonna work. She came in and she said, Nice view of the parking lot. Nice view. Now, she was working as a secretary at this point, and I'd co-founded a software company that is actually still running, basically. So uh, that was not, uh, you know, she was obviously threatened by my success. And, and it was the case that she criticized a lot about me, and that at some point I just kind of got it. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I've written a bunch of novels. I'm running a successful software company, and you're still a secretary, so... Maybe cool it with the endless life advice because I'd rather see you do it rather than hear how I could do it, whatever you think is better. So, so that's a fairly long answer. It's an important answer. Why are people selling their stocks in crypto? Because they can't stand the upside, right? So if you go to someone and you say, as I think will be the case, right? Let's use, I don't know, let's say, you say your crypto is going to be, your Bitcoin in particular, your Bitcoin is going to be worth 10 times what it's worth now, Right? So maybe somebody's sitting on $200,000 worth of crypto and you say, 
if, if they accept this possibility, that's a reasonable, I think, possibility, that it's going to be worth 10 times, he's got, okay, can you handle 2 million? What's $2 million going to do to your social circle? What's $2 million going to do to your friendships? What's $2 million going to do to your vacations? What's $2 million? Let's say you move to a really nice house. Uh, let's say the, with a beautiful house and a beautiful car, and you may ask yourself, well, how did I get here? Watching the days go by. Well, you understand, right? How far can you stray from your roots without the bang? You know, like the guys that are trying to do those stretchy exercises with the rubber or the, the elastic around their feet goes up and whiplashes them Donkey Kong style in the face. So what's happening is people get a certain amount of gains and they're like, sell. Uh, it's good. I'm good. I'm good with that. Right now. I'm not saying hold on to everything for, I'm just saying that people will sell to maintain their relationship. People will not accumulate too much wealth in order not to snap the rubber that ties them to their history. So you got to look into yourself. If you don't believe that you're worth a lot, if you don't believe that you are, did you deserve all of this? Then people, then you just sell because this is, this is this. I mean, Bitcoin for, for 10 years has been 200% return. And now the inflation is hitting and political instability and supply chain issues and COVID. My God, man, there's never been a better case for limited decentralized currency. Never been a better case in the entire history of the planet or the entire history of Bitcoin. This is it, man. This is the moment. This is it. And so people are shedding Bitcoin because they're like, <gasps> too far, going to stretch, boing, ah, whoosh, whiplash. So, yeah. Have you seen the new insect diets? Well, sure. Look, I mean, it's like um, you, you wear the face diaper and you stay inside your house and you eat insects. Uh, all of this. So when, when you're in an abusive relationship, what happens is you get progressively more and more humiliated until you have no capacity to resist. So if you look at um, Western Christians relationship with the mainstream media or whatever, then you progressively get more and more abused and, and humiliated, uh, you know, that, that uh, you stole the natives land and uh, you don't deserve any of this and you have a history of slavery and, and like all of this, they just wear you down. They just beat you down until you won't fight for yourself anymore. And then they own you and control you. And then they complain about slavery while enslaving you mentally, which is kind of the point, right? So yeah, eat insects. It's just another one of these things which say, well, how far can we push you? Can we get you to eat insects? Can we get you to eat shit? Can we get you to eat something that, that would be a, considered a punishment in most societies? You know, like a punishment that you would have to eat insects would be, uh, sorry. <coughs> that would be a, a horrible punishment. If you force someone to eat insects, that would be how you would torment a kid, right? You, you get a, a spider and you put it in his mouth. You get a grasshopper and you put it in his mouth. That's how you would humiliate and bully a child. So they're just trying all this shit to see, you know, when, when, when people say enough is enough, right? Elon pulled a dirty, yeah, by Doge, millennial turds. Yeah, come on. Come on. OnlyFans millionaires aggravate me, but I'm not sure why. Runway models and prostitutes don't give me the same negative feelings. Huh. Interesting. Only fans. Oh, you mean the, the women, right? They, they uh, take off their clothes 
there was this one rather chubby woman who was dissing Joe, uh, Joe Rogan, I can't remember her name, who makes, uh, she spilled how much she makes on OnlyFans, and um, it's a staggering amount, a million dollars a month, I can't remember, it was some crazy, crazy amount of money that uh, she was making. And uh, so th that is a situation where so OnlyFans is where men, and I know that it goes the other way, but in general, men pay to not be rejected, right? Men pay to not be rejected. You can't be rejected on OnlyFans. You, you pay your money, you go in, and you get the stuff, right? Whatever is in there, I don't know, right? Movies or, or whatever it is. So you can't be rejected. And that's what you're paying for. You're paying for to, to not be rejected. And the women are paid to not have children. Right, that, that's what the, the deal is. Again, I'm sure that there's some prego fetish OnlyFans somewhere out there, but in general, the women are being paid so that they don't actually, through their sexuality, have to pair bond, have children, raise children, you know, bodies generally go to seed. It's a dangerous way of taking women out of the dating pool to have baby making wreck their bodies to some degree, right? Depends. I mean, you can work your way back from that. So now... Women are paid, women are being paid so that they don't have to provide virtue and value, companionship, good mothering, good housekeeping, good companionship, good friendship to, to a dad, uh, to the father of the children. So they're being paid to be reduced to the mere physicality that is actually supposed to be the foundation of the family, but it's just used for income. So they are, women are paid to not get pregnant, to not have sex, to not be in danger, to not... Uh, have to have children, to not have to run a household, to not have to do family taxes, whatever it is, run the finances, whatever might be happening in the family. And women are very happy to not have all of those things, right? But to get the money without, right? Because normally you pay a woman uh, to stay home, raise your kids, transfer culture from one generation to the next and on run things in the neighborhood and do all of the good quality works in the neighborhood that women used to do back in the day. Whereas a woman can just get that money without having to provide any virtue. And, and the man can... Uh, offer up the money and he's never going to be rejected, right? Because if a man says to a woman one, one way or another, I'd like to see you naked, which is often what, <laughs> what a date is. A date is, I'd like to see you naked. And she might say no, or she might say yes, but she might not like you. She might say yes, she might not like you, or she might like you, but she might not want to get naked with you for quite some time. So there's a lot of rejection and delay and all of that. And so a man is paying so that he doesn't have to go through any rejection and a woman is being paid so that she doesn't have to provide any any virtues. And uh, it's uh, it's inhuman, uh, of course, right? It, it is at the level of rutting mammals. Uh, and it's really, really sad. I was giving Ontario and Alberta the honor of being the true economic engines of Canada. Well, I mean, Alberta's gone totally uh, fascist as far as COVID goes, right? Justin Trudeau wanted to break up Canada because of abortion and same-sex marriage and have Quebec its own country. That was his reasoning. Well, it's been, been a pretty, pretty rapid progression from we just want you to not gay bash to uh, drag queen story time. And if you don't want to have sex with a man, you're um, homophobic. Yeah. Anyway. Have you read Gregory Clark's A Farewell to Arms, ALMS? Yes, I have. Still trying to figure out how to get into this Bitcoin movement. <laughs> I don't really understand what you mean. How do you get into the Bitcoin movement? Step one, go to an exchange. Step two, create a wallet. Step three, buy some sets. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can just buy a tiny, tiny little bit. 
you can buy a tiny, tiny little bit. So, Buy the rumor, sell the news. The rumor was inflation was coming. The news came out that inflation is here. Sell until there is a new reason. Well, but that's for investing in companies, not currency, right? So buy the rumor, sell the news. Look, there's, there's no slogan that's going to make you a good investor. There's no particular graph or chart or cycle or this. I mean, this, these studies have been done six billion different ways from Sunday. And investors, day almost all day traders lose money. And they've done, you know, a, a blindfolded guy throwing a dart at a board where there's a stock chart and they just pick those stocks. And, you know, nobody can predict. Nobody knows. Um, the buy and hold, I think, is, is pretty much the best way to go. So. So yeah, buy the rumor, sell the news. <laughs> and the other thing too is that if, uh, the moment that there's a study that said the moment that a new piece of news hits the market, it takes approximately 17 seconds for the market to incorporate that new information into share prices. And remember, the vast majority of shares that are traded are traded electronically, according to programs that you and I don't understand. So if you're looking for rational action, you're not going to find it because the majority of trading is robo-trading. Uh, I know how much I'm worth. Unfortunately, I've let people keep me small in the past, but not anymore. Moving on up. Good for you. Good for you. I love you've warmed to Christianity as opposed to how hostile you were to it many years ago. So I wasn't hostile to Christianity in particular. I mean, I've also criticized Judaism and I've criticized uh, Islam and so on. But um, yeah, Christians uh, are fantastic, wonderful people compared to uh, every other religion or belief system that I've met. They're by far the best. So. I believe in you, Steph. I need to believe in myself more. Yes. Yes, that's right. Now, you may find believing in me to be inspiring to believing in yourself, in which case, totally fine. Uh, nothing wrong with being inspired. Running with a fast runner may make you a faster runner. It's totally fine. So, uh, Not to compare you to a dog trainer, but Cesar Milan said, I want to be the best dog trainer in the world. Mission accomplished. Yeah, for sure. It's a, for like, it's a form of vanity to live small. I know that sounds kind of odd, but it's a, it's a significant form of vanity to live small. Vanity is when you claim to have knowledge that you don't, right? Or, or you claim to have value that you don't. And in this case, it's claiming to have a lack of value when you don't know. How good could you be at piano if you practiced for 15 hours a week, right? How good? If you say, well, I'll never be any good, so I'm not going to bother practicing. It's a form of vanity because it's claiming a knowledge that you don't actually have. How big can you be? How powerful you can be? How influential can you be? How inspiring? How noble? How virtuous can you be? You don't know. Neither do I. I'm still working on it. I've still got, I'll be working on it till the day they shove me into the six foot dirt nap for eternity. I'll be going till the day I die. I don't know how far I can go. I don't know what else I've got inside me that I can pull out and fart into the stratosphere of the skywriting of history. I don't know. I don't know. One of the reasons I keep going. I will not say, well, here's my limit. Here's as good as I can get. Here's this high note as I can sing. Here, I don't know. How good a songwriter could you be if you spend 15 hours a week learning how to write songs and writing songs? Maybe you'd be like that guy who played Radar O'Reilly who had 800 songs that nobody had ever heard of. Or maybe you'd be like Ike Turner where Tina Turner said, Ike, all of these songs sound the same. Do, do, stop hitting me. Maybe. Although I will tell you this, Ike Turner's version of Catfish Blues, it's pretty good. It's <laughs> pretty good. So even though he didn't really like to sing, it's pretty good at it. Um, so how do you you, you, you aim high because you humble, you aim high because you're humble, because you don't know what you've got in you. You don't know what kind of capacities you have. You don't know what kind of brilliance you have. 
You don't know what your potential is. Neither do I. I don't know what your potential is. I still don't know what my potential is. I don't know. I don't know what my potential is. I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to bring new things to the table. I'm always trying to make new connections. Vanity will tempt you into staying small because vanity says, well, this is as far as you can go. And you don't know that. You simply don't know that. And so have the humility to aim massively high because humility is accepting the knowledge you don't have and how big and powerful you can be is knowledge you don't have. Trust me, I've been working on this stuff 40 years. I still don't know how big and powerful I can be. I still don't know how big and powerful I can be. So let me just catch up here. And if you guys have uh, hit me with a why, if you'd like to join in, in voice chat, I want infinite amount of money to help everyone I can. Okay, I think that's fine. I think that's a great plan. Um, I don't know that money helps people. Um, it seems to hurt them as much as it helps them. So, Stefan has been talking about Bitcoin since 2014. Listen to him, guys. He's always right. Well, I'm not always right, but I've been listening. I'm sorry, I have to correct you here. I think my first Bitcoin, I talked about it before that, but my first time I have a show entitled Bitcoin was 2011. So, yeah, it's a long time. Bitcoin is at 52,000. I'm waiting for it to drop more before I buy. Just you got you give yourself say fifty one thousand. Give yourself a number. In my opinion, my humble opinion, no advice. Give yourself a number and then just do it at that number. Don't just sit and say, well, fifty one. Maybe if it goes to fifty, right? Just give yourself right. In Southeast Asia, they love eating insects. Okay, great. Men are simps. Women are just hacking the market for validation and sex with OnlyFans. Libertarians should love that. I find it cringe though. Um, well, no. See. You can't judge femininity by a hyper-statist environment. That, that's like, I've said this before, it's like judging a, um, a worker in Soviet-era Russia and saying, well, you're just lazy, man, you're just lazy. You can't judge femininity or female nature when 70% of taxes are taken from men and 70% of benefits are given to women. It's just a massive wealth transfer from males to females. And so when you are in the midst of that subsidy, who knows what female nature is like when you're in the midst of that absolutely coercive, violent, predatory transfer of wealth from males to females. Now, the transfer of wealth from males to females used to be in return for that which makes male life worthwhile, which is the continuation of the values we fight so hard to bring into being. Now, we fight so hard to bring these values into being, free speech, limited government, low taxes, uh, end of slavery, and we fight incredibly hard to bring these values into being. And then we give money to women so that women will have the kids and the values go from the males to the females to the children and the children grow up and that's, that's what you do. But now there's a massive transfer of wealth from men to women without the reciprocal obligation of women having kids, running households, raising kids, transferring values, maintaining civilization. So women have been largely trapped in a state of perpetual early adolescence. They never have to grow up, right? They never have to take accountability for their actions. It's that famous line, or as good as it gets. How do you write women so well? I think of a man, and I take away reason and accountability. So men are simps, women are hacking the market, blah, blah, blah. No, men are forced to pay and women like to receive, right? So that's the way it is. 
All right, what have we got here? The videotape of cooking on the countertop was ridiculous on multiple levels. Yes, this woman who says, ah, you gotta feed a big group of people and she just sloshes some spaghetti and meatballs and Parmesan cheese, all store-bought crap on an actual countertop. And uh, my wife almost fainted. <laughs> Can't blame her. MGTOW men don't get rejected either. Yeah, for sure. Stefan, why do women in their late 20s seem not to care about marriage, kids, or a man's wealth anymore? Because they get all their stuff from the government, right? At least they think they will. Women in their 20s, women in their 30s, 40s, 50s, not going to get retirement money from the government. It's not going to happen. And then it's going to be often too late for them to do it. So there's a couple of reasons. There is a... Um, the modern culture is largely a nihilistic death cult, largely inflicted on Europeans, right? So um, on social media recently was a woman saying... Oh, I'm so glad that I had kids in my early 20s or mid-20s. Yeah, it's tough, but it's so much fun, right? Now, she was a woman who enjoyed having children, uh, being loved by a man, enjoyed raising her children, enjoyed the babies, enjoyed the breastfeeding, enjoyed the new life, enjoyed the babbling, the teaching of words, the that you do with kids so they giggle and your whole spirit soars. She loved all of that stuff, I'm assuming, right? That's what she said. Now, the foul Condor Nazgul... Wuhan bat fang vampire hellstorm that sank upon her tender jugular of joy was really a sight to behold. Just endless wave of vitriol. And I remember this very clearly from being on Twitter, that I would point out something positive about parenting. I would point out how lonely women are going to get from 40 to 90 when they don't have anyone. They don't have love. They don't have uh, a bond. They don't have kids. They just, you know, it's a half a fucking century. That's almost as long as I've been alive. That you're just invisible in society. You've gone from a man magnet to a dating ghost. <laughs> right. I've got a whole video. I haven't released it yet, but I did it a couple of weeks ago. Women complaining about being invisible. I'm over 40 and I'm just poof. It's like I just become invisible. Nobody gives me time. Nobody gives me attention. Nobody cares. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, of course you are. But you're not invisible if you spent your 20s to your 40. So if you spend from 20 to 40 building a family, you're not invisible. Your kids will love you. Your, your, your husband will love you. There'll be grandkids. You'll be a matriarch. You're not going to be invisible at all. But if you burn up your youth, fertility, and beauty on meaningless sexual encounters with men who don't give a shit about you other than where you aren't, which is the hole between your legs or your mouth or whatever, well, then you're going to be, you're going to be alone. You're going to be invisible. Right? So it's not... And, and if you talk about your joy... I mean, there's so many reasons I was deplatformed, but one of them was simply just talking about the joy of creating life and being a father. How much joy I take in my daughter's existence, right? And if you openly express that joy, it, like, rips a strip, a deep strip of wounding in the hearts of women in particular, and, and some men. And some men. I remember the, the famous Taylor Swift tweet that I analyzed roughly as creating 60,000 people. Well worth it. Well worth being deplatformed for that. But oh, all, the, all the women, like, and it was like, there was that. Then there was one which was like, ladies, you become infertile at 40. If you don't have kids, you, what are you going to do with the next 40 or 50 years, right? And the women were like, well, I'm going to learn new languages and I'm going to learn a new instrument. I'm going to make love to my husband and I'm going to travel and I'm going to have a wonderful life, right? <laughs> okay. So it's really great being alive, right? Love being alive. Isn't it great to be alive? Don't you sniff deep the heady, fresh-cut grass of unmortality? Isn't it great that 
The starship of atoms has somehow coalesced into the gravitational will, force free will capacity ghost of you that you can get up and walk around and appreciate nature that gave birth to you. Isn't it just an incredible miracle that out of all of the endless atoms that we know of in the universe, that we are the ones that coalesced into mind and reason and communication and joy and virtue and depth and power and to consume art and produce culture. To consume resources and produce bridges is incredible. A human being is a wonderful way to turn a pig into a poem. <laughs> you eat the bacon and you have the energy to write the poem. We are incredible machines of meaning. So with all of this glory, the more you enjoy your life, the more you're selfish for not passing it on if you can. Of course you are. If you, if you had a family that for a hundred generations had maintained its wealth, and then you just blew it all in one generation, aren't you a complete asshole? A completely selfish and destructive asshole for doing that? We got four billion years of life handed to you as a precious gift for which the suffering of your ancestors all the way back to single-celled organisms is simply beyond our comprehension. You get this incredible gift and you're like, I'm gonna tie that. <laughs> I'm not gonna have any kids. I love my life so much. Thank you so much to all the wonderful people who gave birth to me and carried me in, in their womb, gave birth to me, breastfed me, raised me, and, and this is incredibly wonderful. Well, it's so great, then do, do you want to pay it forward? Because it all came to you and... No! <laughs> it's selfish. Antinatalists are beyond... But of course, it's all about destroying the West, right? So, uh, Let's see here. What was the most culturally significant event of the Cold War? Hmm. The most, culturally, the most culturally significant event of the Cold War was the Apollonian nature of the 1950s was displaced by the Dionysian nature of the 1960s. So Apollonian is like reason and higher faculties and Dionysian is lechery and, and uh, degeneracy and, and drugs and sex and just meaty mammal muscular muck. And uh, the capacity of the communists who started taking over in the 1960s to completely demonize the 1950s. I remember some old movie with Dennis Hopper where he said, when we get out of the 80s, the 90s are going to make the 60s look like the 50s. And the demonization of the 50s, which was a true golden age for the West, uh, for women, for men, for children, for culture, for society, uh, was just astounding. Right? All right, let's see here. What have we got here? How, how caught am I? How caught up am I? Those closest to the inside make the most money. Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, and just try not to spend if you don't have to, right? Oh, uh, let's see here. Um, can you go on Lauren Chen's show? Uh, Lauren and I have done a couple of shows together. I think she's opening for Nigel Farage now, so I may be a bit sort of outside the center of what is considered. I'm a bit beyond the Overton window for a lot of people these days, and so that may not be, uh, it may not be uh, ideal. Uh, you know what? So let's... Um Let's toss out some lemon. Distribute rewards. Let's go big. Let's go big time. Oh, I think I didn't go that big time. Sorry, I forgot to check the right one. Anyway, we'll, we'll do some more. Please remind me if you can. We'll do some more before the end of the show. All right. Um, towards the very end of almost, Tom must decide to what extent he's going to get involved in World War II. Do you agree or disagree with his decision? So Almost is my novel, and by God, it's magnificent. I'm telling you straight up, it is, to me, one of the greatest novels ever written. Uh, that's why I wrote it, because you create in the world what you desperately want, but 
is not there, right? That's what you do in the world. You, you desperately want something to be there, like I desperately wanted the world to talk about philosophy and it wasn't doing it, so I, um, I created, you create, and particularly what was denied to you. You, you, you. The best thing you can do for your mental health, in my opinion, is to pr produce and create what was denied to you, right? So um, you've seen that meme of like uh, Spider-Man holding back the subway, right, looking like he's just shit his pants. Well, you know, the subway is my family history, and that's me, and ahead is my child, right? So keep them from crashing off, right? So, um, sorry, let me just get back here, see if I can remember what the hell I was talking about. So, you should check out this book. It's a free audio book. Uh, you get to hear my acting chops. I studied as an actor for years. So, I won't get into that because it's going to be spoilers, but... It is an incredible novel about Europe, all of Europe, uh, and, and two central families, um, a, a family that's in England, a family that's in Germany, and from the First World War to the Second World War, um, how many big decisions are triggered by small and petty personal situations. And anyway, it's a great, you can get it at, at freedomain.com forward slash almost, freedomain.com forward slash almost. It's a feed, you can just download it and listen to it. And I would uh, really, uh, really love it if you did. It's totally free and uh, it's a great, great book. I really enjoyed your reading of almost. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much. Elon just used the Bitcoin is bad for the environment and that's why it's dropping. So again, I don't know what is going on in Elon Musk's mind, but I can tell you this, if I was an amoral guy and uh, I had Elon Musk's kind of power, I would keep trashing Bitcoin so I could buy the dip. It's not that complicated, right? I mean, he's already so showed that he likes Bitcoin. He's already invested huge amounts of money in Bitcoin. He's already made more money from Bitcoin than 13 years of making cars. And so he sold some Bitcoin to prove its liquidity. Now he wants more Bitcoin. So of course he's trashing Bitcoin. <laughs> so that he can get people to go buy Doge or other shit coins. So they can buy them. <laughs> Come on, this is obvious. This is not even close. All right. Um, a lot of people need help. Capitalism is failing us. We need something new. Fair for all. Why, why do you, I'm sorry. What do you want to mean fair? I don't know what you mean by fair for all. I don't know what you mean by, like, okay, I'll, I'll tell you what happened with Bill Gates. And, and his wife, right? Because this is right right in there, right? I'm, I'm sorry, I know we're, uh, we can do maybe a longer show, but I'll, I'll go to audio, right? But so, so Bill Gates and Melinda Gates, right? So Melinda Gates wanted an equal say in the dispensation of Bill Gates' money. Melinda Gates did not earn that money. She's not even close to the kind of productive, not moral, productive genius that Bill Gates has, along with some extraordinary good fortune, but he obviously is a productive genius. And so he made hundreds of billions of dollars and Melinda Gates wanted an equal say because equality, right? But she didn't produce. She was like a product manager, I think, at Microsoft and wasn't even particularly important that way. So she married into money. Do you know that this is, the, this is female wealth? Nine out of the 10 richest women in the world are rich because of who they slept with. Like, I'm sorry, it's just the way that it is. I think one of them earned it and they either, the other ones, sorry, not just who they slept with, the other women are in the top 10 wealthiest women because they divorced a guy or married a guy or they inherited the money from a productive guy, right? So it's men are the source of the wealth and women inherit it, right? Or get it for getting married or whatever, right? So, yeah, so he probably got kind of annoyed that she wanted to have all this equal say without having the productive genius aspect that he has. Like his mind, 
will operate at such a high level that for her to bring her social justice warrior, hyper-egalitarian, bullshit, progressive socialist concerns to his incredibly high productive calculating brain would just be like, you know, trying to write a song while someone's doing this in your ear. La, 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 la. And that, that it's like you can't, can't, or trying to do math while someone's screaming random numbers into your ear. It's just annoying. It's just, get out, let me think, things done. But she's like, oh, it's gotta be equal. Now, his association with Jeffrey Epstein, of course, is completely repulsive. I mean, absolutely repulsive. And his association with Jeffrey Epstein lasted, as far as I understand it, long after Jeffrey Epstein was convicted for his unbelievable crimes. And uh, this, what I, I believe is, is the grooming and uh, systematic rape and destruction of uh, hundreds of uh, white uh, girls. Uh, I think that they were not Jewish girls, um, although Jeffrey Epstein was Jewish and You'd think that he would go for Jewish girls as part of his community, but he didn't, and there's probably some pretty dark reasons for all of that. I don't know what they are, but it's a way of just destroying women's sexual market value, having them less likely to reproduce, just another way of harming the West and all that. And so if Bill Gates was still palling around with this guy, like Prince Andrew style, after he was convicted of his, I mean, a tiny, tiny little slice uh, of what he actually did uh, and... Uh, He'll probably never find out everything that he did because I'm sure all those tapes are in the hands of other powerful people at the moment. So the question is for Melinda Gates, and, and she first started thinking about divorcing him uh, after uh, these, these sort of connections between her husband and Jeffrey Epstein came to light. So she's looking at this guy saying, what kind of freak? Like, you never want this to happen in your marriage, right? Where the woman looks at you and says, who the hell are you? I thought I knew you. And yet, like this, this, this attic door, this cellar door is opening and, you know, there be monstrous. You never want that in your marriage. A marriage can almost never survive that. Where you just look at someone and say, holy shit, I thought I knew who, I don't have, I have no idea who you, who the hell are you? Hanging around with this Jeffrey Epstein character. Are you kidding me? So she's got to look at him and say, okay, well, why is he doing this? Well, either, there's two reasons, only two reasons, right? That you would continue to hang around with Jeffrey Epstein is either A, you like him. And not only do you not have a problem with the sexual, endless sexual crimes that he committed, but you're fine with him, right? You're, you're fine with him. So it's either because you like Jeffrey Epstein, and even though you know all about his crimes, or because Jeffrey Epstein has something on you, right? So I would imagine Melinda Gates, when she's finding out about all of the stuff, and maybe she knew it for a while, and, and Bill Gates had the usual ugly, chicken-chested, beta, weedy, oh, I gotta get girls, see girls naked, I gotta have, I gotta have stripper parties, and I gotta have people come over to my pool, and I gotta have topless, <sighs> right? I mean, just all this creepy peeping Tom stuff at the window that comes from the beta male, which you should never leave your women around. Um, so she would have these conversations, I'm sure, with Bill Gates, I'm just theorizing here, I don't know, of course, right? She'd have these conversations with Bill Gates, and she'd say, honey, like, what the hell are you doing with Jeffrey Epstein? Oh, he's not that bad. It's like, no, no, he's a convicted sex offender. Like, I've read some of the stuff he did. Like, what are you hanging around with him? What are you, what, what are you doing with this? Oh, no, he's, you know, he's, he's made some mistakes, and I don't approve of that stuff. But, man, he's got this money, and he's got these visions. No, Bill, for God's sakes. The man's a convicted sex offender preying on children, okay? The fuck are you doing with this moral monster? And he's, right? And at some point she's going to say, okay, does he have something on you? Like you're on that plane, right? Did you go there? Do they have 
films of you? Did they, like, what did you do, Bill? What did you do? What did you do there with him? Like, help me understand. Uh, help me understand. What did you do? Did, I can't, like, we don't, we don't, we don't hang out with pedos. Like, I don't know, how do, how do we say this in the marriage? We didn't include that in the vows, because that's kind of taken for granted, wouldn't you say? Bill, a little, it's like taken for granted we don't hang out with pedophiles. Like, we, that's not, that's not in the list that's on the table. How about no mass murderers, no pedophiles, no serial killers, no rapists? Can we, can we, can we accept that that was kind of implied in us getting together in the first place? Just doesn't need to be in the fine print. Like, you don't need to sign something in the store that says, I'm not going to steal stuff and set fire to the store. That's kind of implied. So it's kind of implied that we don't hang out with pedophiles. What's this guy doing in her life, Bill? You can't tell me you like him because then I don't know who the hell you are or why I had three children with you. But if he's got something on you, if he's got something on you, if they, whoever they are, if they've got something on you, Bill, how am I supposed to explain this to my kids? Our kids. How am I supposed to explain this to my friends? How am I supposed to know that everything and anything that we're doing with these endless foundations is not just at the behest of whoever has compromat and blackmail material on you, Bill? How, how do I know? Anything that you, everything that you say, that you say to me, that you say to the kids, that you say in public, that everything that you say, I don't know if it's you or whoever's got this stuff on you. And I'd rather they have stuff on you than you think it's great to hang out with a monster serial pedo guy. I'd rather they have to tell me they have, if you tell me they have something on you, we can work it out. We can figure it out. We can, we can solve this. We can, unless, oh God, Bill, oh man. Shit, I just thought, oh, Bill. Do they have something on you that's going to put you in jail? What did you do? Bill, what did you do? Now, these kinds of conversations going back and forth, round and round, right? And he, like your typical, I can't answer, it's complicated, it's difficult, you don't understand, it's right? He and I understand each other in a way that's tough for outsiders, right? Just fog and bullshit, right? Again, all just theory. It's just my imagination, right? But... At some point, she's just going to get, she's going to understand, she's just going to get it, right? That the most likely explanation is that Bill Gates is unbelievably compromised, which would explain a lot of what he's done ever since, and she's not going to want to get involved in that. That's from, that's from her side. Now, his side is something like this. His side is, oh, you've gone into this radical egalitarian stuff now? Okay. So now you're never going to be happy. Because if you say, well, I'm only going to be happy with Haiti when Haiti is the same as Israel, when the Seychelles is the same as Alaska, when Somalia is the same as uh, America, oh, then you'll be happy. Oh, okay. Okay. So the answer to that is never. You will never, ever be happy. Because if you tie your happiness to the equal outcomes of everyone in the world, this is why I brought this up, right? We need something new, fair for all. 
Don't talk to me about fair for all. I don't care about fair for all. Why would I care? I care about fair opportunities, equal opportunities. Sure, everybody should be equal under the law, universally preferable behavior. I get all of that. It's great. It's what I've devoted my life to. But when people say fair, I have no idea what they're talking about. Fair usually is a four-letter word meaning give me shit or I'll throw you in jail. That's what fair means. To pay your fair share. It's what the guys in the alley with a gun to your ribs say. You gotta pay your fair share, man. Fair. Fair is a four-letter word saying, I will fuck you up if you don't give me your shit. If you don't give me stuff, you'll be sorry. Fair is just a four-letter word for shakedown. Fair is a magical one-syllable word key that opens up literally the gates of hell. Fair. What does it mean, fair? Some people sing way better than me. Is that fair? Some people are taller than me. Some people keep, some guys keep their hair until they're 90. Is that fair? What does any of this mean? We will, we will continue on, on and on. She just keeps on crying. And she laughs when she feels like crying. See, told you people sing better than me. <laughs> I told you. I told you. So yeah, he's never going to be happy and she thinks he's a criminal. That's my guess, right? So can't, can't survive that, right? She can't survive that. All right. Let's see. Israel good, Palestine bad. No questions. More or you're anti-Semitic and must be depersoned. Well, okay, so people are mad like, hey man, Israel was like founded on force. It's like, as opposed to which countries? <laughs> Come on. You, I mean, the, one of the biggest genocides in history was the Muslim invade, invasion of China. Sorry, the Muslim invasion of India. Sorry about that. Um, hundreds, 100 million killed or something like that. The, the Muslim invasion of, of India was one of the most brutal things in human history. But nobody's sitting there saying that's going to go back, right? So... Let's see here. 40 is awesome when you have kids. So much fun. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He mentioned bacon. Best stream ever. Israel is Kyle Rittenhouse, basically. The right sees someone acting in self-defense. The left sees someone who's just out to kill people. Well, I mean, there's an IQ difference as well, right? If you look at the average IQ of particularly the Ashkenazi Jews in Israel, it's uh, well north of 110. If you look at the... Um, uh, you, you can have cousin marriage or you can have a civilization. You can have cousin marriage or you can have a civilization. You can't have both, right? So, 1950s cars were beautiful. Yeah, and the buildings too. The buildings too. A lot of the art was great as well. So, Dennis Hopper movie flashback co-starring Keith Sutherland. I've never seen it. Is that any good? Never seen it. There is actually a manufacturer of car called the Tucker car from the 20s or 30s. There's a whole movie with Jeff Bridges about that, which is really bad. It should be an Ayn Rand-style creative genius movie, and it's just a movie about him throwing things around when he doesn't get his way. It really is really bad. It's really bad. Which way does humanity go, Mad Max or Jetsons? Well, we're going to have to go through Mad Max, but hopefully we'll get to Jetsons in time. Let's see here. I've been listening to your audiobook of Almost. About one-third through. It's really great. Thank you. Looking forward to the rest. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. How did you learn to write novels so well, Steph? Oh, well, you read a lot. And by the time I wrote Almost, I was um, in my mid-30s, and I had been writing novels. I wrote, I wrote my first novel when I was 11, called By the Light of an Alien Sun. And uh, in it, there is um, a scene where uh, this guy's in orbit, right? It's about a mission to Mars. And um, one of the... Uh, 
one of the heroes uh, uh, ends up kissing, the, it doesn't matter what the scene is, but ends up kissing one of the girls, and uh, the girl's name was Amy, which is a girl I had a crush on, and my teacher in, um, in school, maybe I was 12, yeah, I think I was 12, my teacher in school uh, found out I was reading a novel and read it to the class and got, it was not racy or anything like that, but, you know, he kissed her or whatever, and she was blushing, and the whole class was laughing, and... It, I was. I thought it was delightful, and it was really. Uh, it was a fun moment, and it was there. I thought, you know, I could, you can create stuff on your own that really brings a lot of joy and excitement. And when I was um, after I left theater school, I didn't finish it because I just they and I did not see eye to eye on what art meant at all. A bunch of communists, anyway. So um, yeah, they loved me until they found out about my politics, and I thought I was just terrible. So uh, that summer, uh, I wanted. I had uh, adapted a play. Um, I'd written a play called Seduction, which was an adaptation of Turgenev's Fathers and Sons. It's a Fathers and Children, Fathers and Sons. And uh, we rehearsed, uh, and I had to fire actors. It was very exciting. And uh, we, I was, I got a woman who did the stage design. The stage design, it took place in a series of gardens. And she bought actual real trees into the theater and we had lighting set up so that the trees would rustle and and we had fans up there so that the trees we, we glued on all of these leaves and it was just am amazing it really really looked like a garden uh, a whole series of gardens where the play took place in and it was really actually pretty stressful too because they just refinished the floor at vast expense we brought in all these bloody great trees that gouged the living crap out of the floor and i thought i was doomed. I thought I was going to have to pay for it and couldn't go to school. And Anyway, but the guy was like, hey man, theater is messy. What can I tell you? What can I tell you? So, um, yeah, so I started working on um, play. So storytelling for me has been a whole long and involved series of things uh, that I've done. So I didn't just sort of come out and start writing novels. I've been telling stories. And one night uh, in that play, we ran, I think, for just two weeks. And, and one night, everything just went absolutely perfectly. And somewhere there's a film footage of it, I think somewhere. Anyway, it, it, it was absolutely a perfect night, and everybody went out. We even took a, I took out half the audience, uh, and we went and drank and talked about the play, and it was just, ah, oh, it was a fantastic night, and I was just like, man, art can bring beautiful things to the world. So, all right. My Winston Churchill is awesome. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I worked on Winston quite a bit. Uh, you kind of got a droop one side of your mouth. I have a little bit of a droop here because I, I had an ankylosed tooth, like a tooth fused to the bone. I had to get it drilled out, and uh, it cut a, a couple of the nerves on this side of my face, this, I think, a year or two ago. But, uh, yeah, I did uh, pretty good, Winston Churchill. Uh, you're going to just let your mouth droop and, and uh, be generally angry at anything that's the opposite of colonialism. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Bill Gates made his money through copyright laws. Sure. Someone get a clip a gif of La La Steph. Yeah. Why is he pushing vaccines and men Afro-vac? Well, he's a depopulation guy. That's all I'm saying. Belinda saw what happened to Jelaine Maxwell. She's throwing Bill to the wolves and trying to save herself instead of sinking with him. I would say, I don't know. I mean, I think um, Jelaine Maxwell, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen other than she's probably not going to have a very good time in prison, just like Jeffrey Epstein. But um, uh, Bill Gates, uh, he probably is trying to appease the powers that be in order to avoid... Uh, some kind of uh, criminality that may be associated with his time with Epstein. Who knows? Who knows? The Spice Must Flow. My God, there's a book I never followed. I never understood. I tried to read it a couple of times. I watched this pretty terrible movie with Patrick Stewart and Sting and uh, the guy with great hair. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty... I, I never got that one. Maybe I'll try it again, but I never, uh, I never got it. 
she fell for the social justice hoax slacks trap. Sheer poison designed to subvert actual brain power. Well, it's, um, it's optimal foraging strategy. You should look this up. I was just talking to a friend of mine about this. Optimal foraging strategy. The optimal foraging strategy is um, uh, it, it's how do you get resources that are not immediately available to you, right? How do you get resources when other people are earning them more? Well, you can either go out and try and compete with them, but if you can't compete with them, what you can try and do, of course, is you can try and stimulate guilt, a sense of obligation, a sense that they took those resources from you, uh, a sense that um, uh, it's a zero-sum game, uh, and that uh, they exploited you, and you try and provoke guilt in them. Guilt is a very mineable resource, right? And so you provoke guilt in people, and then they will give you resources. Uh, it worked for religion for a long time. It still does for many religions, and it works for the social justice stuff, which is why the sowing of guilt and the reaping of money is, is foundational. COVID canceled our travel plans. We decided to have a baby. Good, good. I appreciate that. Good for you. Good for you. Bill Gates opens a secret bunker room in his bedroom and worships a goat-headed Moloch statue while he traffics sex slaves. Melinda knows. Okay, obviously that's not true, but um, it's uh, it's not good when Microsoft has Maria Abramovich on her, like, doing ads for them. I mean, she's a straight-up Satanist, isn't she? So, eesh, my God. Just crazy. All right. <laughs> You're great at impersonating. I actually saw Bill Gates uh, live once uh, many years ago. I used to go to Las Vegas when I was in the software world for tech conventions. And uh, uh, Bill Gates gave a speech that I thought was just like the blandest thing. Just curious, why have you and Gavin McInnes never done a show together? At least I don't remember you doing a show together. Yeah, we did a couple of shows back in the day. Uh, we did a couple of shows back in the day. All right, what have we got here? Steph is straight out of Compton gangster. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 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 All right. Um, what do we got here? Yeah, jaredwoodard.com with two R's. jaredwoodard.com forward slash free domain dash staking. If you could check that out, that would be that would be great. Uh, you should speak to James Howard Kunstler, American writer, blogger, and social critic. No, I get that. And I'm with you. Like, I'm with you about that. But uh, it's an interesting question, right? It's an interesting question. Which is, is it fair? You guys let me know. Is it fair for me to say, come do a show with me? without telling people about some of the reputational damage that's been inflicted on me, right? That is a very interesting question. If you tell them the reputational damage, okay, right? Because they may get hounded for being associated with me because of the reputational blah, blah, blah. So I'll tell you what, if you want someone to be on a show with me, you want me to do a show with someone, uh, fire off a message to them and say, yeah, you could get some heat from it, but he's a good guy, which I am, and he will, and see that, right? I once wrote erotica in my high school English journal and turned it in with the naughty words redacted. The look the teacher gave me. <laughs> Was it hungry? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Favorite movie version of Shakespeare's plays? Oh, um, so there's two that I love. One I love more than the other. Uh, the Mel Gibson Hamlet is sublime. It's incredible. It's, um, I watched it with my daughter a couple of years ago and well, we watched and paused and watched and paused and watched and paused. Uh, it's, to me, way better than the Branagh version. Branagh is very good with his Hamlet, but man, it's just too long. But the actors that were involved in Mel Gibson's Hamlet uh, were just astounding. So I thought that was really, really good. Um, Henry V with Branagh is fantastic, especially the last bit 
where he's uh, talking to the girl about her the woman about her father. Uh, so that's really good. And Brian Blessed <laughs> just reminds me of a, a angry dwarf friend that I played Dungeons and Dragons with. So um, yeah, those two, Hank Sank, as we used to call it in theater school, Henry V with Kenneth Branagh. But yeah, top top for me, uh, Mel Gibson Ham Mel Gibson's Hamlet was. A, a, almost a near perfect piece of movie making with a couple of exceptions here and there so but yeah maybe we should we should uh, maybe we should do a simultaneous watch of that one night and then chat about it afterwards because it is really really good what's the best way to give back to the world if you've received a net amount of government benefits including the COVID supplements um, I would say uh, you give to the world by investing in crypto Dune series is intense yeah um, what's your take on risk management? How can one ever win if one chooses to be safe and never attempt to play? Well, you're going to lose. Life is losing. Life is you're going to die. Right? Life is you're going to get old and creaky and you're going to die. And so if you try not to lose, you lose everything. At least you might as well win some stuff between here and the grave. Uh, have you ever watched Mr. Jones' movie about Hollow Demore? I haven't, but I've, I'm about a third of the way through a book on the Hall of Demore, but it's pretty grim reading. Thank you for the plug, Steph, says Jared. Thank you, Jared, for your very kind work on that. Uh, are new people on the scene that you would do an interview or call in with? Um, maybe. Maybe. Tesla stopped accepting Bitcoin because of the environmental impact. Why did they start accepting it in the first place? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Let's see here. What are your thoughts on Tesla, the car company, and their work on being the first electric car company after being laughed at by astronauts? I don't really have any particular thoughts about Tesla, the car company. I don't, it's not really a philosophical thing. Can you talk about your NFT sale? How do the copyrights work there? So, um, so uh, yes, I've sold uh, two things uh, uh, through NFT. Uh, it's part of the whole survive your deplatforming by hook or by crook thing. And also, I think, honestly, i got to tell you, uh, can you imagine how much an original text of Aristotle's would be worth like because we don't know what Aristotle wrote because most of his writings were destroyed we just have his students notes and so on can you imagine or 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 if an original text written by Socrates as he worked out one of his ideas and again I know I'm putting myself in a ridiculously illustrious company but just bear with me for the example right and so the NFTs are uh, there's three right so the first one was uh, a, a, a short video I think it was less than 10 minutes and it was a particular insight or thought that I had that I wanted to share. And it was, uh, uh, you could buy it. You could see the whole video, but if you bought it, you got the full 4K version and all of that. And so that one sold. And then I put my novel. It's my first novel that I wrote as an adult. I wrote two novels in my teens, one by the light of an alien sun and the other one called The Jealous War about the First World War. And then I wrote a novel called Revolutions, which is a, it's my first really mature novel. My first novel, which is like a real novel. And I'm always fascinated by historical events a generation before. Because by the time the actual thing, like the Russian Revolution, like the 1917, okay, I want to go back a generation, what laid the groundwork to that even happening, right? And so I took two historical characters, Alexander Kirtsin, or Hirtsin, and Sergei Nechayev. Uh, the guy in Achayev was a young, incredibly violent, unbelievably charismatic revolutionary. He was actually arrested by police, but between him being arrested and them driving him to the police station, he convinced them to let him go. 
through appeals to revolutionary fervor and you know, fighting for you and you're betraying your class and he's just incredibly charismatic and, and powerful guy. And so I wrote an entire novel about the relationship between the elder revolutionary who was more verbal-based and peaceful-based and the younger revolutionary who was more committed to violence. And anyway, I won't sort of give you the whole story, of course, right? But it was something I was trying to work out in my life. Given my level of charisma and intelligence, what was I going to do with it? And I worked that out through the novel as a whole. These were sort of the two paths that I could uh, take, love or power, love or power. That's my big, my big question. Everybody who's got a lot of skill and ability faces the love or power question. So I wrote this whole novel to, to work it out. And so the novel is available. You can go to freedomainnft.com, but uh, I set it up through um, OpenSea and, and Rarible, and it's all Ether-based or wrapped Ether. And uh, the fees are ridiculous. The fees were like five times the price of the book just to buy a copy. And so one was a one-time thing, but everyone could see it. The second was supposed to be around of a thousand limited editions. And you get a note that it's yours, right? So you can say, yes, I got confirmation that this is my free domain NFT. Uh, it's, it's unique to you. Uh, uh, you can always prove your ownership. You have a source file that nobody else has. And uh, so I did this with my presentation I recorded seven years ago. I spent six months, poured heart and soul into this presentation called The Rise of Nazism. And I had it as a, this is a different one, right? So the first one, you could see everything, but you could only get the 4K source file and proof of it if you bought it. The second was a limited edition of a thousand copies of my novel. And again, you can show everyone down the road, anywhere, at any time, that this is your original. It's like a numbered, signed original from the artist. And then this one was, you could only see the first minute or two of the presentation. It's almost three hours, and you could only get the presentation by buying it. So, um, uh, and uh, that's it. Now, now he's, uh, uh, he's got, he's got um, a copy of the original, and I have the only other copy, and he'll, you know, he can do it. Polanski's Macbeth is awesome. Even though Polanski is not a great human, Polanski is a vile, vile human being. So, let's see here. Hey, Steph, if I were to email or call in about a dream I had, would you be interested in discussing it? I would. I love that stuff, right? Let's see here. Simultaneous watch of Hamlet? I would watch that again. Would you want to play Rocket League sometime? Uh, I do, in fact. And you know what? I'll, I'll throw this. Um, I played a little bit with my daughter and a friend or two yesterday. Uh, so I'm not super great, obviously, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. But yeah. Um, uh, oh, let me not forget this. Uh, I'll give you guys the Telegram link. Telegram. All right, let me just get caught up. Uh, what is a good source to learn how to code? I don't, uh, I don't know. I just taught myself. Well, I, I, I was with a bunch of friends, and we'd spend our Saturdays in the computer lab when I was in uh, junior high school. So I just learned, just keep doing it. Uh, the past 48 hours has been wild. It really started on Monday with France also headed into a possible civil war. Israel has taken front stage. So the failure of Trump has resonated throughout the Western world and people no longer believe there's a political solution to uh, a lot of significant social problems. Just everyone is aware uh, of that, that that's kind of what's going on in the world. Uh, so things, of course, have escalated. Um, and because Biden is beholden to the anti-Israel, often anti-Semitic, hard left within his own party, uh, that is emboldening the Palestinians to uh, do further attacks upon Israel and, and so on. So, uh, yeah, there's a big change. But again, people, they get what they vote for. So I'm not going to stand between them and, and what they want. France is almost at war over Islam. I sent those articles to you on Telegram. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, Jared is working again. The NFTs up on Tezos. Yes, and I really, really appreciate that as well.
Uh, I've, never been, I've never been a big fan. Pianist by Polanski. I don't know, it's a lot of propaganda, but uh, my throat elf came out when he said telegrams. How far can you see down there, right? I'd like to watch my son destroy you on Rocket League. I'm sure that he could. I'm sure that he could. Uh, curious to hear your thoughts on the ethics of the Project Veritas stories and losses. Um, I like James O'Keefe a lot. I have a lot of admiration for what he's doing, and I wish him the very best of luck in his legal pursuits, for sure. Let's see here. The staking operation is only 125 tasos of delegations away from filling its first role. I am totally going to pretend that I know what I just said. <laughs> basic is probably not as block programming to the complete... Yeah, a basic beginner supplied symbolic instruction code. Yeah, just work with basic. It's fine. It's scary just how much Biden has eroded the U.S. in just four months, and he's got four years. Yeah. Uh, well, no, look, everybody knows that if you want to beat the Democrats, it has to be an overwhelming victory. Otherwise, they'll claim the election was stolen. And uh, the, the Democrats, uh, sorry, the Republicans just didn't have enough of an over overwhelming victory to overcome hinky stuff on the part of the Dems. All right, uh, let's um, switch to some audio, audio and uh, Python. I can't believe that's still a language. That's pretty wild. Uh, OK, uh, let's uh, start ourselves up an audio chat. Boom! I will start it as me, me, me. Let me unmute. So um, I'm gonna just. Uh, how do I get? Oh yeah, uh, share invite link. Okay. So if you wanted to join me uh, in in here, uh, you can uh, you can certainly do that. Uh, let me just put the chat in. Uh, put it in here. Brrr. Inflation is up at 4.2 percent in April. Actually, oddly enough, the inflation numbers are completely deflated. <laughs> Much worse than that. Much worse than that. Um, sorry, let me just double check my space here. Yeah, we're good. Uh, I'm a big fan of SSDs, and I set up my computer with SSDs when it was blindingly expensive to get them, so I'm afraid they're just like trying to run a, uh, a node on a floppy disk. All right. Python's a relatively new language, started in 1991. Yeah. Stefan, recommendations on developing a conferencing app? Gosh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I cannot uh, give you anything useful on that, I'm afraid. Oh, I, would, I would absolutely love to, but uh, it's not, uh, not my thing. All right. Uh, I'm not up on programming these days. Uh, I would like to create something on the web. And if anybody wants to, has a good idea, uh, shoot me an email at operations at freedomain.com. I would like to have something that allows people to easily navigate my shows you know, like, oh, if you want to get, uh, uh, if you want to do, um, uh, if you want to look at interviews on parenting or if you want to look at studies on human intelligence, like just a way of navigating around. I wrote this thing, which I gave the incredibly awkward name of the philosophician, <laughs> which was the, uh, you could say, I want short call-in shows about family issues, right? And it would just create a whole feed for you and, and you could use that. And um, I got roundly mocked for the coding, but it worked. It worked, I'm telling you. So, um, hang on a sec here. Let me just uh, throw this in one other place as well. And uh, I would be happy to uh, take calls if you, uh, if you want to. Yeah, Bitcoin is going to drop for sure because Elon Musk, I think, is out there pushing down the price so he can buy it up. Again, no proof, just my particular, uh, my particular thought about it. All right, so um, I can never find these. I can, oh, here we go. Uh, feedback. Uh, there. So you can join that. 
uh, and I'll also put it one other place so can, people can just join in. Join voice. All right, uh, let me just switch over to here and uh, pretend that I have uh, somebody who's actually working with me. <laughs> Which I'm not. I'm not. Will Bitcoin still go to 110,000 by summer? I don't think I have. I said 100, 100K by summer, but uh, um, yeah, I don't see. I mean, I think it's... Uh, see, there's a... And I told... I, t I said to this... I said this um, months and months and months ago that people are going to start trash-talking Bitcoin when they want to buy it. So this is the, you know, the, the, the gathering for the jump, right? I'm sorry, I've completely lost track of uh, <laughs> where the audio was. There we go. All right. Um, if anybody wants to talk, I think you have to say, like, raise your hand or something like that. Or, or if you need to pee or something like that. So uh, I would like to talk. Hey, how's it going? Oh. Tyler, I think you got it. Okay. Um, I want to I want to talk about the need for others to suffer. So what I mean by that is like, let's say you have a worldview where you say spanking is is going to lead to all kinds of problems. And then someone spanks their kids. You need them to suffer, right? Or else your worldview is kind of destroyed. That's what I mean. That's um, that's a very deep question. <laughs> I appreciate you bringing that up. It's something that I've certainly thought about quite a lot over the oh hang on no oh, people are saying oh yes that's right i'm sorry i think that it's muted here um so i don't think they got it oh i can repeat it yeah hang on a sec it would be great if you could repeat it but for some reason i can't unmute all right um can you just uh, give me give me the cue again if you don't mind me yeah oh but the question okay yeah so i want to talk about the need for others to suffer so for example let's say you say spanking will lead to all sorts of problems if you spank your kids and then a parent spanks their kids well then you need the parent or maybe the child to experience some kind of uh suffering or else your worldview that spanking leads to problems that that worldview is destroyed basically right right what are your thoughts on it um i think it's I think it's a uh, perfectly, perfectly. I mean, it seems kind of cruel that you want others to suffer, but it's um, it's something I feel like I, f I feel like when I have a when I have a view um, that I have have I, that I believe in, I I want I want like other people to who don't abide by it to suffer. That's you know what I mean. Oh yeah, no, I, mean, I get it. I get it. I'm a little bit tired, by the way, so I hope I can uh, articulate my thoughts well. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Okay, so the, the topic I've been kind of obsessed with recently is is uh, cam whores. I already raised, raised some questions about that in your Telegram group. Go on. Okay, um, there, there's this these these um, there's this one girl who I've been looking at recently. Like, she's really she's really brilliant. She started out cam whoring because she was like in an abusive uh, she had an abusive Christian homeschooling childhood. She escaped from that, started cam whoring. She eventually went went into crypto. Wait, wait, hang on, uh, hang on. She's, she's, I'm sorry. You said she started cam whoring because of her Christian something something. Yeah, she had like a really. No, no, uh, no. I, I get what you're like, saying, but I don't understand the causality. Um. 
it's kind of it's. It's not dominoes, yeah. right? Didn't she, didn't she make a choice? It's not because of right. Like oh, she no free will, man. It's just like rocks falling down a hill. It's like that's where they land, right? Right, right. Um, so she chose. So you're already white knighting a little bit here, right? True. Yeah, you might be right. Okay, so um, she chose to become a cam whore. Now she may have said it's because of. Blah, 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 I don't care. I don't. That's no because right. of in philosophy. I mean, can you imagine right. the kind of excuses I could have for bad behavior given my childhood if I wanted? Oh, he became this way because his mother was insane and violent and was institutionalized and he had to support himself from these mid-teens onwards and uh, he had three jobs in, in high school and, and, you know, paper route. And I could, I could come up with just about any excuse I wanted if I wanted to be a, the, the last domino, right, of, of history. But uh, sure. I, you, you can't. I mean, boy, talk about trapping people in their history. The moment you give people excuses based on their history, you're trapping them in that history. Because now their history has value to them. Oh, it's an excuse. Great. I'm not responsible. I can do whatever I want and blame my history. And now my history has value and I can never get over it because why would I? Because it's got value. You've got to make people's history have no value if it's terrible. Like if, it's, if they were abused, right? you you got to like, no, you didn't do it because of that. Don't blame your past. That's terrible. Can't blame your past. I mean, you can you can say the past has an influence, and you can have sympathy for people's past. But the moment you say to them, "You can make shitty decisions because of your past," you've turned their past from legitimate trauma into adult excuse factory, and you're trapping them there. All right. Uh, um. So anyway, eventually she she left this uh, cam whoring business. She she made a lot of money doing that. She went into a, a respectable crypto job. And then she left that job and went back to cam whoring. And which, which I, it's kind of, it's kind it's really aggravates me because I feel like she should, you know, be a respectable, have, have a respectable job or be a mother. But she, she, she completely rejects that. She's, she thinks she's happier as a cam whore, basically. And you're attracted to her? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay so you're giving her positive feedback for dysfunction and you're only attracted to her because of how she looks so if you're only attracted to her because of how she looks then saying well you shouldn't base your life on how you look when the only reason you care about her because of her looks totally contradictory right well I think she's also really intelligent based on what I've read on her blog she's really she's really good at introspection well, then she's even worse as a human being. How so? How so? Because we can understand dumb people not having a particularly great skill at looking over the short horizon of their actions, right? Impulsive people, right? But if she's really smart right. and really into introspection, and she's still doing this sleazy family and West destroying cam whore stuff, then she can't claim the excuse of I'm just not that smart, right? Right. I'm not sure where to go from here. See, here's the thing, man. To solve the problem of should bad things happen to people who do bad things, to solve the problem of what should your reaction be to people who do bad things, there's one simple answer that will solve this for you completely. Are you ready? 
Yes. You're not too tired to remember this, are you? Oh, it's recorded. You can watch it back. If <laughs> yeah, you know. I'll watch it back. Okay. So here's how you solve the problem of wishing bad things on people who do bad things. And, and how much should you wish bad things? And just don't have those people in your life. Don't have people who make bad, really bad decisions in your life. And that way, you don't have to follow whether they do a good or bad thing on how much they're suffering or if they're suffering. You're not part of that whole drama. Did you see what I mean? So basically stop following her. Uh, how are you following her at the moment? She's got a blog and I'm, I've, been, I've been kind of like following what she's posted on the internet. She's got a Twitter. And do you have the fantasy that... Like, so you don't have any contact with this girl, right? No. Okay. So what's your fantasy here? Is your fantasy that uh, you're going to write some comments or find some way to message her and she's going to see the glory of you and change for the better? Is, is that the plan? Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, much. I say this with sympathy. I, I, I say that I sound like I'm mocking and I, I'm sorry about that. I don't mean to. I mean, I'm not trying to mock you. Like, that is the plan, right? Yeah, that's, 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 that could be a, one option. Well, you, you, have, you, you have some investment in this girl, right? Um, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Okay. Uh, how pretty is she? Um, very pretty, yeah. Okay, can you, uh, can you give a brother a link here? Sure, sure. Don't, you don't have to read it out or anything because I don't want to give her any free advertising. But if you could uh, throw it in the chat. Should, should I send, send the blog? Sure. For research purposes. Yes, it's science. And science is hard and firm. Who links? <laughs> People are now going to be rapidly curious uh, in, in time. Okay. Should I send the blog. All right. Let me see here. What do we got? Is there a picture of her on the blog? I just need to know what kind of stuff we're looking at here. You can, yeah, there's links to all like your Instagram and Twitter and stuff. Date me survey. The hell does that mean? In pursuit of an internally consistent annihilation. All right. Um, ah. Okay, so she went from working in factories to porn. She used the fun dives into faraway realms, both physical and psychedelic. She spent a year addicted to LSD. All right. Okay, so um, tell me what you, um, I mean, I get the intelligence and all of that, but would she be, if she was a, a, just like an old old woman or a guy or whatever, would you would you care about her bad choices? Um, no. <laughs> right. Okay. So the question then is, who taught you to be a slave to damaged women? This got to come from mom, right? I mean, I'm not, I guess so. I'm not sure. Well, was your mom um, high high functioning and competent and successful? Um, no. <laughs> okay, so you must have spent a lot of your childhood trying to fix your mom, right? Uh, I don't exactly remember doing that, but my mom, um, 
was an alcoholic. Oh, I'm sorry, man. That's that's one of the but worst she, things. That's one of the worst things. She, she she quit after I was born, though. I mean, well, well I hope she like quit when you were she was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she didn't do any of that. All right. So. Um, what was her level of functionality when you were a child? Oh, I do remember she had postpartum depression while I was a uh, an infant. Well, you don't remember that, right? Right. She she had to tell me. Okay. And then what? Um, there, there's a lot of fighting with my dad. I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, one significant event was I ended up fighting, like getting into a physical fight with her when I was a teenager. She was, she was very, uh, she could, she could get really angry, angry at times. Was she good at life as a whole? Do you think? Um, no. It's actually quite common. Uh, it's actually quite underfunctioning women is like, I don't know if it's like a modern thing, but it's almost like a curse or a plague. Just women who aren't particularly good at just getting things done. Women who are nervous and making phone calls or don't like confrontation or who can't organize things or who are forgetful or, you know, just, just not basic competence, if that makes sense. Um, when I say she's not successful in life, I mean, like, she never, she, she'd always, like, tell me to, like, find, find something I want to do with my life and, like, get really good at a skill. She never really did that herself, though. She, 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 she I don't, I don't know. What, what, would mean, what would mean good at life? Well, does she set goals and uh, stick to them? Uh, does she achieve things in life? Is she a positive part of her community? Does she help is she generous does she help people does she have a, a kindness of spirit uh, is she just able to get things done and not afraid of the world and and ready to go out there and tussle and and just make things happen and uh, and all of that i'm not really sure she has a really simple job um okay you're not really sure Dude, I, I how much, how much of my time are we going to waste here while you beat around the bush? Because you know these things. I, you can disagree with me, of course, right? But don't tell me you don't know much about your mom. Otherwise, we can't even talk. Right? I, don't, I don't know much about her life. Why not? day-to-day life. It's, she's boring to me. Okay, but you know enough about her life that she's boring, right? That's something. Right. Yeah. Okay. So... so is she, so would you say that she's had a successful, rich, accomplished life? No. Okay. Does she complain that she could have been more or could have done more? Um, no, I think she's happy with, with, with where she is. She's happy with where she is? Okay. So she's happy with, you said, being boring and having a nothing job kind of thing? Yes. <laughs> And did she stay married to your dad? She did, but they, they considered getting a divorce. And, and I remember her asking me if she thought I should, if she thought she, if she thought, if I thought she should get a divorce. How old were you at this point? I was maybe 12. She asked you if she should get a divorce. Yes. The fuck? Why on earth would yeah, you ask knew- a 12 year old if you should get a divorce? That's insane. I knew you would think that was weird. What do you think? Forget what I think. Do you think that's weird? 
My daughter's 12. Um, that I would sit down with her and say, hey, uh, you know, what do you think? Divorce or no divorce? I'll, yeah. leave, it, I'll leave it up yeah. to you. It is weird. Right. Why do you think she did that? She did not want the the burden of responsibility. She wanted to pass off the responsibility of having to choose her herself, I suppose. Right. Do you have siblings? Yes. Okay. I have a sister. Right. And how's your sister doing? Um pretty good. She's living with her boyfriend in a different state. Okay. And what would you say is the level of intelligence of your mom? Like, you know, the sort of quintile, right? The fifth uh, top, you know, 20, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100%. I'm not sure what you mean by the quintile. Well, I just explained it. So the 20, 40, 60, 80%. So the bottom 20% oh. is the bottom bottom quintile top 20 percent is the top quintile uh, oh gosh <laughs> maybe like the 80 or 60 between 60 and 80. so above average intelligence right yeah maybe a little bit above average right does your dad think that your mom is the best that he can do yeah probably my dad's not very attractive but he's but he's kind of wealthy and what's the level of your mom's attractiveness when she was younger i know it's a little tough to judge but sort of like a one out of ten thing i guess uh seven or eight i suppose you know that's right where this girl is right really yeah yeah for sure does she look anything like your mom um maybe when she was younger <laughs> well I got it. No, I got it. I got it. So I mean, they're different races. I'm sorry. They're different races. My mom's Asian. This girl's white. Right. Okay. Okay. Got it. So is this girl the best that you can do? The girl on the on the block? Um, no, probably not. I mean, I would hope not. And if you can do better, then why are you concerned about this girl? In other words, why is it that her choices are important to you? Because she's just some stranger on the internet, right? Right. Why is she important? Why is her decision important to me? Yeah, I don't really know. It's hard for me to, it's hard for me to understand. And how long have you been interested in her in this way? Just a few days. And did it come to you quite strongly? Yeah, it did. Do you think she needs saving? Um, I, I'm not sure. Like, it's, it's entirely possible that she could be happy in, with her lifestyle. Even what? though I think. Oh, come on. Even though man. I think. No, no, come on, come on. You're on a philosophy show here. Don't talk to me about the girl who did porn and does cam whoring being just, you know, she's great. No problem. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm with you there. Like, I think 
I think she's on a self-destructive path. And that's why I kind of do want her to suffer on some level or at least change. Why do you want her to suffer? Because I, th I think the healthy path for a woman is, is to like be a mother or at least have a, a normal career. Being, being a cam girl, I think, is a path to, that leads to suffering. And so I, I want it to lead to suffering because that's what I believe will happen. Is that, I'm not sure that makes sense. Right. And what has your dating experience been in, in life as a whole? Zero long-term relationships. It's in most all casual relationships. And how um, how old are you? Twenty-seven. And why do you think long-term relationships have not worked for you? Uh, I one time I, I the, the one time I pursued one with a girl. Um, I, I, well, I, I don't think. Yeah, my I have anger issues. That, that ruined one relationship. I'm picky and I don't, I also don't pick the best girl. I don't, I don't have, I also have low, don't pick, um, girls that I would want to marry. I'm not, I'm yeah. Do you want to go like your mom? No. Right. That's a challenge, right? And we're, we're not really designed for that, right? To, 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 to want someone who's different from our mom, right? So if you want someone who's different from your mom, the question is then what do you want? You can't just go on habit, right? You can't just go on, well, this is what I saw before and uh, all of that. You have to have something different, right? I, I want an, an intelligent girl. My mom's not intelligent enough, I think. Well, but you have some association here of intelligence with being completely messed up, right? Right. I mean, this this girl, you know, and, and yeah, I'm sure she's intelligent and, and, you know, she may be emailing me with shock and horror and tell me I'm totally different, but I don't care because I'm happily married. What do I care, right? But, um, you know, she was a drug addict and uh, I think almost homeless and has gone in and out of the porn world and, and so on, right? So um, I assume a fair amount of casual sex and all of that, right? So this is uh, just, uh, it's, an, it's an unfortunate mess. And uh, some of it, of course, is, uh, has something to do with her history, but it mostly has to do with her choices. And um, see, here's the thing, right? It's, and this is what I said at the beginning, it's hard to complain that this woman is kind of making money off her looks when the only reason you're interested in her is because of her looks, right? And her intelligence. Well, you don't found relationships based on intelligence though. You found relationships based on wisdom. Can you explain the difference? Well, sure. Intelligence is good analysis and wisdom is good decisions. Uh-huh. Right. So you say she's very introspective. She has all this analysis, this analytical brain, right? Yeah. Okay. So she's got high intelligence, but she makes terrible decisions. So she has low wisdom. Now, obviously you want high intelligence and high wisdom, but if you have to choose between the two, you choose wisdom. But I'm, I'm doubting myself. I'm, I'm doubting that my, my wisdom is better than hers. Maybe her lifestyle is superior to, uh, superior to what I believe is good. Maybe taking LSD and being a cam girl is is superior. I'm I'm, I'm self-doubting. And what do you want me to do about that? I don't know. Because now we've come full circle, right? So if there's no better way of living, then why on earth should you want people to suffer for making bad decisions? Because there is no good or bad decisions, right? We've come full circle here. 
if well, if being a, if 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 you can be happy being a cam girl, if you can be happy as a mother asking your 12-year-old son if you should get a divorce, if you can be happy as a mother having fights with your husband, if you can be happy as a mother having a physical fight with your child in his teens, then there's no standards, no virtues, no values. You can just decide whatever the hell you want. You can be happy being an LSD addict. You can be happy bouncing in and out of the porn world. You can be happy, right? Whatever, right? Right. She's got an OnlyFans. You can be happy with that, right? Right. <laughs> So you're a nihilist. Yes. <laughs> Why? Well, is that so, what being a nihilist is? Thinking. A nihilist is um, a nihilist. Nihilism is a form of radical subjectivism. So nihilism is when you say that there's no external measure by which you can judge good or bad decisions, except possibly in consequences. You know, like if you try something and it turns out you don't like it, then it's bad for you. Everything is dot, dot, dot for you, right? Cam girling, uh, being a cam whore is bad for you. It's not objectively bad. It's good for her. It's just bad for you. You don't like it. It turns morality into a series of taste testing. Do you like strong coffee or blonde coffee? Well, strong coffee is for you. You like strong coffee, but strong coffee is not morally superior or better or right. It's just your particular taste or preference, right? So whatever, whatever, for you. Murder is wrong, for you. Socialism is wrong, for you. Totalitarianism is wrong, for you. And it's a form of radical subjectivism wherein there are no objective standards by which one can evaluate good decisions. It shreds wisdom. Of course, right? Because wisdom is being able to make good decisions according to objective standards. It's the difference between superstition and science. Superstition is nihilism and science is wisdom. So, who never taught you right from wrong? That's my question, right? How, how did you my grow parents, up not knowing right from wrong? My parents didn't teach me right from wrong very well. Well, what did they teach you about right and wrong? I know it's a big question, but just briefly. Um, well, I, I remember my mom said, like, about stealing or about treating people nicely. Like, she said, you always have to treat people nicely. Because, like, even if, like, you're super rich, like, and you have, like, maids, um, if you treat them badly, they'll steal from you. That's, that's, that's one of the lessons she taught me. You should treat people nicely because if you have maids, they'll steal from you? Even if, yeah, even if you're super rich, you still have to be nice to people because your maids will steal from you. That's one thing I remember. Right. So it's not that stealing is wrong or being nice to people is right or wrong. You just have to appease people, otherwise they'll treat you badly. Yes, that, that'd be the, the principle. So the only way to be good is to be in a relationship with someone who can treat you badly, hence your addiction to this girl. Mm, uh, that seems like a leap. But she will treat you badly, you know that, right? I mean, that's obvious. Uh, I mean, that's, that's not even, she's, it's right there. In pursuit of an internally consistent annihilation. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that means. It means that annihilation without escape, without hypocrisy. Internally consistent annihilation means no escape from the falling hammer of unreality and abuse. Annihilation 
of the self, of the other, of virtue. So would you say uh, cam girling is not universally universalizable? Well, of course it's not because somebody's got to build the cam cameras and make the money, right? But it's not, it's not, a, it doesn't violate the non-aggression principle, right? It's no, no force is involved, assuming that no force is involved. It's just incredibly destructive. And it seals you off from good people. I mean, I guess you're interested and, you know, hit, hit me on the chat. Maybe this is a generational thing. I'm happy to be corrected on this. Hit me with a why if you would date a girl who was uh, a porn actress or a cam girl and, and still doing it, right? Uh, we got an N. Come on, people. Type faster. Time is money. Mime is money. Just kidding. All right. No. It's easier to sit in your bedroom talking to a horny chat than actually working a job. No, 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 no. No, of course, right? Once we've got a Y, hell no. <laughs> no, but can't deny the temptation, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course, right? Because if it, once you get into that life, it's like once you send your nudes, once you send, like once you, once you get into that life. Now, I'm not talking about the people whose sex tapes ended up being leaked in a vengeful manner online. So like I have some great sympathy for Paris Hilton. I think that also happened to Kim Kardashian. So that's, that's a different matter because that was not consensual. That was a form of digital public rape. That's just absolutely appalling stuff. But if you're sort of out there voluntarily doing it, you're reducing yourself to your meat and, and you're losing your capacity to pair bond and how are you going to be a mom? How, how are you going to be a mom? Come on, how, how are you going to be a mom and bring your children up to have any kind of decent ethical standards or self-responsibility or morality or anything like that, right? I mean, that's just crazy, right? So, so is, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Is your, I, I was going to raise an objection to... Um, um, you know, porn actors not being able to be moms or whatever. It's because it seems like society is trending towards the direction of, you know, sex worker acceptance. And I'm worried about that since it'll like wreck my worldview that both our worldviews that like sex workers can't be, can't be good mothers since, and cause like porn stars are becoming mothers now. But I thought you, sorry, you keep flipping between, Denialism and the morality thing. I'm a little confused. I'm making a little head spun. Can you explain what you mean? Well, you said that maybe the cam girl can be happy. Maybe it's perfectly fine. Maybe there's no problem with it. And now you're like, well, I don't like that. You know, there's there's some bad mothering coming out of the cam girls, right? Well, no, I'm saying society might start accepting cam girl uh, porn porn actors as as uh, good mothers, and so. I don't, is, is that relevant to morality at all? Dude, you're 27. You've never really had a girlfriend and you're worried about society's relationship to sex workers. Do you really, you really think that's on your top 10,000 list of things to get fixed? Like you're, you're um, intellectualizing yourself into atoms here, right? Your issue is not society's relationship to sex workers, right? Your issue is... Why can't you find and keep a good woman, right? Isn't, isn't, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that is an issue. Okay, so here, here's the thing, right? If, if, uh, uh, if, if you're attracted to this kind of woman who's openly just saying she's a vampire who's 
interested in internally, she's committed to internally consistent annihilation, right? Straight up, right? Soul renderer, life destroyer, you name it, right? And of course she's keeping herself pretty because you can't get the Venus flytrap. You can't eat the fly without the sweet stuff at the bottom, right? So, right. so the question, so I'm trying to figure out why the hell would you be attracted to something? Look, I can understand saying, oh, this woman is attractive. Oh, what, that would be a wild weekend or whatever. But, you know, you shake your head, right? And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> Let me not spend time, energy, and resources on this. Because when you focus time, energy, and resources on this, you're creating this giant fiery moat wherein good people don't want to have anything to do with you. And I don't mean me, like we're having a conversation about it and all of that, right? But if you're attracted to this kind of person and you're sort of thinking about, is this good or bad or whatever, and this nihilism, you're toying with this nihilism versus morality stuff, she's not an evil woman. She's not an immoral woman. Uh, as far as like, she's not, as far as I can tell, she's not violating the non-aggression principle. In the same way that, you know, you can shoot heroin directly into your balls and doesn't violate the non-aggression principle, but it's probably not going to lead to a very long and happy life, right? Doesn't sound like she's got kids, doesn't sound like she's got a relationship that she needs to maintain. And she's very much putting out there that you can date her, right? Because I saw this on uh, the website. It says, date me survey. Yeah, I saw that. Right. So you could fill that out and maybe get a date, right? I think uh, I think what it is is a, a data gathering scam. She's, that was her job that when she left porn, she gathered men's data, her simps data, and and uh, turned it into some monetizable surveys that she sold people. She sold her her Korean company or something. And she's made a movie where she takes acid. Yeah, someone made a movie about her. Well, okay, she was in the movie, right? Right. So this would be. Let's see here. When I was a child, my parents spanked me a lot. The spankings I experienced were not the common idea of spanking. They were significantly worse done with a strip of rough leather, the wisdom whacker, designed for this purpose and to not leave permanent marks and usually sustained an 8 to 9, 10 on the pain scale for 10 to 30 seconds. Spankings began when I was a toddler. As an infant, they slapped my arms and were unwarranted for any number of things and were warranted for any number of things, such as not saying yes, mom or yes, dad when spoken to, for interrupting an adult, for screaming loud enough to worry the neighbors during a spanking, for delays of even a few seconds when responding to being called to receive a spanking. They happened often. I distinctly remember setting goals for myself to obey so well and so quickly that I wouldn't get any spankings for one whole day. Oh, my God. My father had narcissistic personality disorder, was emotionally abusive. When I was a teenager, he secretly installed recording software on my computer. So now she's, she has recording software on her computer, right? She's same, same pattern, right? He would often force me to stand still in front of him for 15 to 60 minutes as he berated me and made me admit that I was lazy, rebellious, disobedient. He would pinch the skin under my chin and pull my face close to his as he yelled at me. He told me often that he would break my will by taking everything I loved. At one point when he took everything I loved, I was so distraught I became depressed and stopped showering, combing my hair or smiling, and he forbid me from being unhappy. That my pouting was a display of rebellion towards him. That if I continued, he would force me to clean the house morning to night every day until he broke me of it. Everything he did was driven by the goal of breaking my will so that I would obey him regardless of how much it hurt me. He succeeded. He eventually destroyed me so thoroughly that I voluntarily cut contact with my best friend and only source of emotional support, who did not break any rules in himself. He was Christian, and all our discussions were PG-rated. It was just that our conversations were unsupervised, out of a desire to be obedient to him. 
Oh my God, it's just awful. I know, just terrible. It's terrible stuff. Hey, she wants to call in. We can do a call in. Uh, but um, no, that's. I'm that's, glad you were able to read that. Yeah, I, I, listen, that's appalling stuff. Um, and of course, she's going to self-medicate from a childhood like that. And again, I don't give her. I'm sorry, young lady. You don't get the off. You don't get a. You don't get a uh, get out of jail free card. You're still responsible for what you do as an adult. But that is a significant amount of damage, which I assume has now been compounded by right, sexuality, uh, this sort of public sexuality, the, the cam stuff and the porn and, and stuff like that, right? Yeah, that's terrible stuff. That's terrible stuff. So she's aware, and I guess this is where you talk about her self-knowledge, right? So she's aware that she went through extraordinary levels of abuse, right? Right. And so he's so she she says he succeeded, right? He succeeded in destroying me. In pursuit of an internally consistent annihilation. Right? So she um was under the control of a man when she was younger and now she is under control of men now because they tell her what to do on these campsites, I assume, and she's now under their control, but she feels like she's not because they're paying her, right? And of course, her father was paying her bills as well, right? Because she was a kid and he was paying her bills. So yeah, it's very, uh, it's very rough, very rough stuff. Wait, but hang on, does everyone everyone gets paid by the, everyone's parents pay their bills? Yeah, absolutely, for sure, for sure. But now she's men are men are paying her bills who are harming her, right? Harming her maybe psychologically. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that, but. Isn't that worse in many ways? They're paying her to not be there. They're paying her to be absent, right? This is the problem with the cam stuff, right? That they're paying her to be absent because she doesn't want to be there. Otherwise, she'd be doing it for free. She doesn't like these men. Otherwise, she wouldn't charge money to interact with them, right? Right. And that that really bothers me. I really don't like the the cam the cam whoring job. I'm, I, I... I'm sorry. There's something playing in the background. I think that's on your side. Oh, there is. Are you sure? I'm not sure. That's why I said I think. I think it's on your side. Certainly not on my side. Oh, hang on. Wait. Unless something opened up in some. Sorry. Um. Let me just close everything here. No, I don't think it's on my side. But let's see. Maybe it's somebody else on the call. All right. So, uh, sorry, you were saying it, it bothers? Yeah. She, she also does escort work, and that doesn't bother me as, as like the cam whoring does, but I'm not, I, I'm not really sure why. Well, one of the reasons would be that the cam whoring stuff, uh, you know, I guess people screen record and it's there permanently, so there's more of a record of it uh, in a permanent fashion. Yeah, that could be. Well... I don't know. Could be. Tell me if it is or not. I mean, we could say anything, right? I think. I think that is a factor. So, your attraction to this girl. Do you want a family? Do you want to be a dad? Yes. I mean, sometimes I do. Sometimes, I'm not really sure what I want, but I think I do. Well, what, um, what, what is appealing to you about being a father? Um, it would give me something to care about. Like, I, 
in my life there's not really much like if if my phone were to break that'd be that'd be like the worst thing that could possibly happen to me and i don't like that because it feels like there's not much going on in my life right and you would accept the date with this girl right sure right and do you think that she would change her lifestyle for you? Um, I, I have no idea. Oh, well, you changed your story a little bit, if you don't mind me saying so, because you earlier said that um, you had a bit of a fantasy that she would like you enough to be saved and right, that kind of stuff. Or that... Yeah, that, that's one. That's one possibility. Or that I, I'll, I'll adopt her lifestyle of hedonism and drugs, and be happy that way. Because I'm really indecisive. I'm, I'm, I'm questioning whether, whether my, my goal of starting a family. You know, it's like the nihilism thing. I'm questioning whether, whether my ideals are, are the right ones. Who spent time with you when you were a kid? Who interacted with you? Who played with you? My dad, mostly. And what kind of stuff did you do together? We would play fight. He would read. He would tell me sto random stories he'd make up before bed. And did that go into your teens? I mean, not the play fight against random stories, but did he continue to interact with you in your teens? Um, no, I definitely pulled away. You pulled away. I didn't like inter. Yeah, I think so. I remember there was one time I didn't talk to him for a whole year because I didn't like his attitude. You didn't talk to your your dad for a year. How old were you when this happened? I was in high school. Were you living with him? I was living with him, and I still live with him now. We're not really on much speaking terms. Wait, sorry. Hang on. So you were in high school. How old were you? Like 16, 15, 16, 17? How, how old were you when you didn't speak to your dad for a year? Um, probably around 15, 16. And what did he do about that? Uh, he kept trying to talk to me. Eventually, eventually, I relented and started talking. But a I year, hang on. So a year, you'd be at dinner and he'd talk to you and you just wouldn't answer? Well, we didn't even eat dinner together. My family hasn't done that since I was very young. But you're in the same house, right? Right. And what did your mom say about all of this? Um, she would, she would, I, I don't remember. I'm sure she said like she would like me to talk to dad. And what was it that caused you to not speak to your father for a year? Like there was just something in particular or? I, I honestly, I forgot. And that's, and that's partially why I started talking to him again. My memory is really bad. And so that's why I started writing down things that he does badly. And my mom, that, that when my parents upset me now, I'll write it down on my phone because my memory is so bad with these things. A year, like you, that's not like an exaggeration. Like it was a month or two, but it felt like a year, like a year. It was at least it was at least six months. That's really angry, right? Yeah. So why are you so angry that you're dead? <sighs> well. I don't think this is the entire reason, but uh, I, I mean, one one thing that bugs me uh, bugged me that he did was he circumcised me, and 
I mean, I, ca I can't really fault him completely for that since I was born in the 90s and that's commonplace. But when I, when I approached him about it, he was not really apologetic. Eventually he apologized. But then I think I told you about this. Like I, I recently asked like the, the, the rabbi who the, the, the person who circumcised me is dead, but his son is still circumcising babies. I asked him to stop doing that, please. And he complained to my dad and my dad just screamed at me. So I don't really think my dad is apologetic at all. So your father doesn't sound like he's got sort of a sort of strong moral center that he's willing to stand up for things even if he loses. Yeah, he he doesn't have a moral center. He he he's he's a lawyer, but he's more he, he's more into the law than philosophy and morals. Right. Okay. Do your parents have concerns about your dating life as a whole? Um, no, they figure I'll find I'll find some girl. Do they talk to you about it and say what's going on or how can we help or? No. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes I ask I ask uh, my mom for advice, like what should I do when I walk past a pretty girl? She she likes to say, "Oh, just smile, <laughs> just smile." Her my mom's advice is terrible. I don't go for advice for anything. Right. My dad's not very smart either. Their, their advice is no good. Well, he's a lawyer, right? He's not dumb. Well, I think I think law is about the only thing I'd, I'd want to ask him advice about. Sorry, people are just confused. They think the cam girl is Asian. It's like, no, it's mom is Asian, right? Just wanted to get to get people sorted out, right? Okay. That's correct. Okay. So who's interested in, in your life? Who's interested in your life? I've got a friend in Vietnam I met. I message sometimes. I guess no one. I, I usually initiate conversations with her. With your mom or with the, your friend in Vietnam? My friend. No, I mean, I guess my, my, my parents would be interested if I, if, I, if I was interested in talking to them. They'd be interested. But I really don't want to. Because their advice is not particularly helpful? Yes, and they're not interesting. They're, my dad's emotionally unstable. My mom's really boring. She'll give me unwanted advice all the time. Right. Why did they marry, do you think? Um, that's a good question. Probably because my mom... Uh, honestly, I, th I thought... I asked my mom that, like, why did she marry my dad? She said she thought he was a nice man. But, but I, I thought it was because, like, he, he's kind of he's rich. But she, she claims it's because he was a nice man. Right. And what was her life like before she married your dad? Very not not good. Her, her dad committed suicide, debatably. He drank alcohol and sleeping pills, which led to his death. And the insurance company ruled that as a suicide. And my mom's a little bit in, my mom's family is in a little bit in denial about that. Wow. Um. And did your father meet her like somewhere in Asia? She was living, and they met that way. No, no, no. They met in America. They're they're all Amer um, both of my parents are, I think, second gen oh, generation. Oh, second so generation immigrants. Second generation born and raised in America. Okay, okay. 
So, did you? Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I don't mean to laugh at all. Serious stuff, right? So, no did your did your father rescue your mom? I think so. Yeah, he paid for her college. She she dropped out of college when her, because of her dad's death, and okay. she got into alcohol. Yeah. So she was a wreck, a hot mess, and he saved her. Yeah. Dude, are you with me? Yeah. <laughs> Have we arrived? Yeah. So tell me. Um, I'm attracted to horrors because, or I'm, I'm attracted to messes because my mom was a mess. Because that's the template you have, which is you find a broken woman and you fix her. And then she's yours. And it's a very common belief, right? Right. Right. You, you know, that the, the knight rescues the virgin or the maiden from the dragon, right? And the dragon is dysfunction, abuse, her bad family. And this is a way that men get women, right? So you've probably heard this a million times where the woman says, oh God, I married him because I just had to get out of my house. You ever heard that? Um, just had to get out of... So the woman is like, oh, I couldn't stand it at home. I just, you know, some guy wanted to marry me. I'm like, good, this will get me out of home. I've probably heard it on your show before. Yeah, well, hit me with a Y in the chat if you've heard this kind of stuff before, right? Where some woman says, oh, I just married a guy because I couldn't stand it at home. I wasn't getting along with anyone. Right. So, so she couldn't, I mean, obviously, highly dysfunctional environment. Yeah, people have heard it like crazy, right? Yeah, it's a, sort of a common, common thing, right? So... This is a, uh, it's a mating strategy of beta males. The mating strategy of beta males, and I'm not putting you in this category, I'm putting you, like I'm giving you this clarity so you cannot be in this category, right? But the, the dating strategy is to find a woman that needs you rather than a woman who admires you, right? Because if she needs you that much, then you have value to her without you having to be a good, moral, courageous person, if that makes sense, right? I'm not putting you in this category. I'm just saying that this is a phase or, or it's a dating strategy, which is to find the most broken person, uh, find the most broken woman, save her, and then you have value to her because you're better than the people who are around her. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you sound doubtful, which, you know, it's your life. I don't want to get, go astray if I'm wrong. I was I was thinking about something else. I wasn't entirely listening, but I think I got the gist of what you said. <laughs> Are you shitting me? <laughs> go, go ahead. You can repeat it if you like. Are you sorry. shitting me? No, seriously, really? You're just not I'm listening. Sorry. I, I, I was think I was thinking of, I was thinking about. Um, <laughs> I can see I, why I, I you need to write right. things down and why your best friend is a phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I'm sorry. That's that's great. And do you know why you stopped listening to me? <sighs> Am I, am, am I fogging? Yeah, so we're getting close to an important truth that is threatening to your existing family structure. And so your parents intervening and saying, we'll turn Steph into someone who sounds like this so you don't have to listen to him. Right? So you space out when you get close to an emotional truth, I would imagine. I mean, it's my guess, right? I, I would like to think I don't. But I, may, I might have done it a little bit. I mean, I am a little bit tired. 
I, I get that, but you've been with the conversation the whole time. Right? We've been talking close to an hour, right? So you've been with the conversation the whole time until we get to an elemental truth about your family, and then you space out, right? Well, I, I got the truth about my mom, uh, the mom, my mom and the, the cam girl connection. I got one truth. I think I should. I deserve a little credit. Absolutely, you did, and it was right after that when we were continuing the conversation, uh, and and we were talking about the dating strategy of your dad, and that's when you spaced out, right? Yeah. Right. So, I I start talking about your dad, and you stop interacting with me in the same way you stopped interacting with your dad for a year, right? I guess you could say that. Yeah. I guess I could. So, and the reason I'm talking about this is that you have inherited, I think, you have inherited this dating strategy, which is I will provide value to a woman by being marginally better than the people who surround her or the people who she grew up with. But the thing is, I've been trying to reject that strategy and that's, that's why I, I, I don't really, I, I've been trying to reject that strategy. Like, I'll have casual relationships. No, no, dude, dude, I'm sorry to interrupt. I really am. I asked you at the beginning, was your mom someone who needed saving? And we got to wait for an hour. I'm just, you know, you're tired and I get it. We got to wait for an hour for you to say, oh, yeah, my mom's dad committed suicide. Did you ask that at the beginning? I did. I asked you. I asked that at the beginning. Was your mom someone who needed saving? And you said, well, she was an alcoholic. And I said, I hope not while she was pregnant with you. No, no, it was before that. And right. Then she quit. And right. So. You're right. You're right. You did ask that. And we didn't go back to her like unbelievably terrible and terrifying family history. Right. Right. So if you have inherited a dating template, which is, I will find a woman who values me because I'm better than those around her, not because I'm good in and of myself, then you're going to be drawn to underfunctioning, dysfunctional, and ultimately dangerous women, right? I've, I fogged out again. I fogged out again. I, th I think I'm reading the chat too much. <laughs> I well, no, you're distracted the by the chat because you don't want this truth to land. Okay, close your eyes. Are All you right. sitting down? I'm lying down. You're lying down. Perfect. Okay, you can fall asleep if you want, but I'm just telling you, just relax <laughs> your body, man. Just be receptive, be open, man. Be loosey-goosey, right? If you've inherited, I think you have, you've inherited your father's mating strategy, and we all do. We all do. We all inherit. Like my mom, high-functioning, low-success. Sorry, high-ability, low-success. High-ability, low-success. Very attractive, high-ability, low-success. High ability, unstable, great potential, no achievement, and, and frustration there too, right? So, of course, I date a lot of women when I'm younger who, have, who are very attractive, who have a very high capacity, very high potential, and no actuality. Like, I dated a woman who wanted to be an engineer, and she was good at math, good at science, but she had terrible exam anxiety and couldn't do exams, right? So, very high potential, but just couldn't, couldn't uh, execute, couldn't fulfill. So... We all inherit our father's dating strategies. That's how we're programmed, right? Because our fathers, like we're alive because our fathers succeeded and therefore we want to do what our fathers did in order to, because, you know, we're not designed for a lot of change in society, right? Most of society was incredibly static throughout almost all of human history. You just did the same thing as your parents did and you did not So if your father said to himself, well, I, I got a choice, right? I, are you with me still? You haven't fallen asleep, right? I'm here. Okay, okay. So if your father says, he's got a choice, and we all have a choice, right? So we can say, 
I'm going to rescue someone, and they're going to be so grateful, they're going to view me as a hero, even though I'm not a hero. Right? Or you can say, I'm going to be a hero, and a woman who's functional and successful and competent is going to be attracted to me because we mirror each other's success. Right? Those are the, those are the two choices. Now, the reason you're paralyzed is because you don't, you, you've inherited your mom's, your dad's dating strategy, but you don't want your mom. So you're screwed. <laughs> you're not screwed, right? You're, you're unscrewed, right? You are, you're stuck. Right? Because if you do what your dad did, you're going to get someone like your mom, which you don't want. But you haven't identified it clearly enough in your mind yet to say, okay, I've got to up my game. I've got to become more successful. I've got to become more um, competent. I've got to become more skilled in life. And that way I'll start attracting a woman who doesn't need saving. And I won't need saving, right? Because when you say, I mean, this is the old um, uh, bullshit story, uh, Pretty Woman, right? This is a really old movie by now. But, uh, uh, you know, he saves the hooker and in turn she saves him right back. The hooker with the heart of gold, blah, 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 right? The mutual salvation of um, sex work. And it's all trashy nonsense, right? So you're attracted to this woman because you don't feel like you're high enough quality as a person to attract a woman of real quality. So what you can do is offer to rescue a woman of low quality. And again, I'm sorry to uh, the, the woman, if you end up hearing this massive sympathy for your childhood, I'm not talking about you low quality existentially. I'm just being in terms of dating potential for long term, stable motherhood, blah, 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 which I hope you can achieve. And again, call me, <laughs> call me, cam girl. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it and see what we can do to sort it out. But that's the challenge, right? You don't want what your dad has, but you don't know how to get something different, right? I, I had a question. How, how would how would rescuing a girl apply differently if the girl is like really wealthy? How could I, how could I theoretically rescue this cam girl? Well, you would rescue her from a life that is completely unsustainable, right? Cause so she's, I don't know how old she is. She looks like she's in her mid mid twenties, maybe late twenties. It's hard to tell with a black and white, you know, really ghosted out photo. So this job is going to get progressively more humiliating over time. Right, because she's young and hot, so she may get slightly better guys called in and all of that. But as she ages out of the environment, she's going to get, you know, really, really creepy guys who are, you know, granny fetishes or cougar fetishes or whatever, whatever's going on. Right. That's, and so it's a um, it's a life of progressive humiliation and she's going to end up back where she started. Right which is really unless she saves unless she retires and saves her money uh if she retires and saves her money yeah she could retire and save her money and then she will be a woman who can't talk about her past with anyone and therefore she can't ever have a stable relationship because she talks about her past people say oh you've retired at the age of 35 oh how did you do that? Oh, I did porn and I was a cam girl for 15 years or 20, 10 years or whatever, right? And right. What, what is any guy of quality going to say to that? Because all she's going to well, have no. left is her personality because that's all we're ever left with. You know, we get old, we get ugly, we get saggy, we get bald, we get spotty, we get creaky. We're just left with our personality. And who's she going to, this is why I asked, if she wasn't an attractive woman, that's why I asked earlier, if she wasn't an attractive woman, 
would you be interested in her? And your answer was? No, you're no. right. No. So guess what? She's going to become an unattractive woman because that happens to all of us. So what is going to happen to her when she can't get by on her looks and she has to get by on her wisdom, her personality, her competence in life, her skill sets, her kindness, her altruism, whatever you want to call it, right? Whatever the good, the moral courage, right? How is she going to fare in that situation? I mean, I'm sure she'll find some symptomary. She might. She might, but she also may be so used to attention from wealthy males that she won't even be satisfied with a simp. Because if, if a male has got some resources, he's not going to want a cam girl, man. Come on. If a male's competent and, and a decent guy, he's not going to want a cam girl. You don't yeah, want to guy. want her, do you? You don't sit there and say, I'm so glad that I'm attracted to this girl. This is great. This is a really positive thing in my life, right? You don't want this, yeah. do you? Yeah, this is a problem. It's a problem, right? That's why I'm calling you. It's, I no, no, I, 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 I don't get like that. Feelings. <laughs> I get that. And so no decent guy is going to want to be with her when she's had a history of 10 years plus of being a hooker and a cam girl and a drug addict and a porn actress. Like, come on. Everybody knows that that's not someone you can spend a life with. She's either going to have to lie about everything to do with her history, or she's not going to have any quality man around her. That's not a... And it may be too late for her already, right? Probably is. It's too late because of the pair bonding? Well, it's too late because... How much of her, like how much of her life... She can't lie about her life. It's all on a blog. You understand the blog is part of the... She was humiliated by men. She continues to be humiliated by men. She was used by her father for emotional, as an emotional vomitorium. Now she's used by men uh, as a sexual fetish. And she's sealed herself in because, I don't know if she's got her real name there, but she's got her, you know, she's got videos out there of her doing sexual stuff. She's got the pornography out there. She's got cam girl stuff uh, out there. Uh, there's no escape from this now, right? There's no escape from this now. Right. So... She can't even really lie about her past that much. Or if she does, she's going to be in constant terror of being found out and therefore won't ever be able to relax and have a happy pair bond. So why is the porn being out there, like making it impossible for her to have a, you know, a pair bond, a healthy pair bonded relationship? Oh, is that a real question? Yes. <laughs> Because she's done degrading things which reduce her to mere physicality in return for money. And so she has degraded the relatively holy aspect of her sexuality to pair bond, uh, sorry, to, 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 to get money without providing any privacy, companionship, or, or anything like that, right? Right. So, I mean, so if somebody, if somebody had filmed themselves you know, taking massive dumps 
and and there was some fetish site i'm sure there is some godforsaken fetish site probably in germany where you know people pay for like you take massive dumps on things right and you say well you know everybody takes a dump it's like yeah everybody takes a dump but you don't film it and put it out there for sexual gratification in return for money right that just displays such poor judgment how's she gonna have kids How's she going to tell her kids how to live? How's she going to teach her kids? What's going to happen when her kids find out about all of this stuff? What's going to happen to her kids' relationship with her? Right? Could she just say she she made a mistake? Well, uh, a, a mistake is I sent one picture of my boob, right? Flash time, right? Okay, yeah, that's a mistake. But... She's been in this stuff for years, right? It's not a right. mistake. And, and here's the thing, too, is she says, oh, I, I made these mistakes until I was 30. Okay, so then her kids are going to say, well, you can't complain about anything I do until I'm 30. Because you made way more mistakes than I did and you were much older than me. So you can't, right? You just can't have any authority, right? Right. So I'm sorry, sorry to bring this back up again, but so what, what if like sex work becomes like viewed as not a mistake by society? If sex work becomes viewed as not a mistake? Right. Like it's a positive thing now. Because that, that, that could happen. It seems like that's the direction at least the West is going. But it's not going to last. This, this, all, this is all the end times, right? It's all the end stuff, right? I mean, I think so. I mean, possibly. Who knows? Maybe it could last. We, I'm not, we're no, not no, sure. No, no, no. Mathematically, none of this stuff can last, right? You understand that, right? I, I mean, I, I agree with you, but I, we, we could be wrong. Like, I, this money printing, we think this money printing can't go on, but it keeps going no, on. No, we're not this... sure. That... Well, it's not going to go on. Doesn't, it never has before in all of human history. Math is math. It's not going to go on, right? Can't happen, won't happen, not going to happen. Impossible. So all, all of this end of the empire stuff, it's all going to fall apart and it's not going to last and society is going to re, uh, reassert itself as far as that goes. I agree with you. Good. There's like a doubt in my mind that maybe we're wrong and maybe all the things we know about economics are wrong. Okay. Or all the things we assume. Then you, you should, you should, um, you should take that as a working hypothesis, right? And you can try it that way. If you what think you that reality and math is somehow optional, that you can say that two and two make five, then you should, you should try it that way and, and see how that works out. Right. Cause oh. if you can't <laughs> learn from reason, then you'll have to learn from evidence, right? Because you think that if you don't have to make any decisions, you won't ever be at fault. If you don't ever have to commit to anything, you won't ever be wrong. That's the general where, where thesis. Where is that coming from? Where is that coming from? Because every time I come up with a standard, you say, well, just maybe it's not true. Maybe it's not real. Maybe it's not factual. Maybe it's made up. Maybe it's, right, maybe two and two do make five. Maybe black and white are the same thing, right? You just come up with all this nihilistic crap, right? Yeah. Okay. So you should try but that. These are like 
these these doubts in my mind are they're aggravating me. How do I get rid of them? <laughs> like, the, but you're not you know, getting. I mean, you you don't even view them as bad. You put them forward as something that's somehow reasonable and I should consider. And right, maybe this, well, maybe that. Yeah, maybe we are all living in a simulation. Maybe the world is flat. Maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. <laughs> Man, I don't have to tell you. None of that's true. Whether people accept sex work or not doesn't mean that it's not a degrading aspect of the human condition. Not everything is subjective. Because here's the thing, man, you and I are only having this conversation because people didn't accept the kind of bullshit that's floating around in your head. The only reason you and I are having this conversation, because people didn't say, well, maybe network cables exist, or maybe they don't, or maybe TCP exists, and maybe it doesn't, and maybe computers can run, or maybe they can't. They didn't sit there and fog themselves into nihilistic nothingness. They actually had objective standards, made things happen so that you can get food and health care, and your phone can work. So everything that you, keeps you alive is the exact opposite of everything you're proposing as a possibility. You understand? This is, that's a death impulse. That's a death wish. Because if, if the world adopted your kind of thinking, you'd be dead in, in a week. Because your water wouldn't be purified. No food would get delivered. Nothing is real. There's no standards. There's no facts. We don't need to clean the food. You don't need to, you know, we don't need to keep your fridge on. You can eat grass. You can do whatever you want, right? So if you tried to, if the world universalized what you talk about, you'd be dead in a week. Not even that. And you, you still toy with this. Like, the exact opposite is not exactly what's keeping you alive. Where's your gratitude to all of the people who have objective and real standards that's actually keeping you alive? Do you not care about that? You just, oh, it's fine for them because that keeps me alive, but I can muck about with all the subjective stuff. No problem. But I really appreciate those guys who have objective standards because that way I get to keep living and my phone keeps working. How about you start to join the mindset of the people who are fucking keeping you alive? Do you see what I mean? How about you stop indulging in this preteen nihilistic bullshit and start joining the army of people who are actually getting things done in the world and the army of people who are actually keeping you alive and me alive for that matter too. Who, so that you have the luxury to indulge in all of this nihilistic crap. You are um, surviving only because other people reject everything that you flirt with. Do, do you see what I mean? It's, it's not that I... Right, uh, I'm flirting with it, but like... Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, you're, when you say people who, who believe in the objective stuff, you're talking about yourself, like engineers, people like that? Yeah. Does your phone work on nihilism and there's no such thing as truth, reality, objectivity, standards, physics, facts, reality? Yeah, I see what you mean. Your phone doesn't work on that. Uh, my microphone doesn't work on that. The camera doesn't work on that. Nothing works on that. So, so is there no doubt in your mind that Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe your your maybe the economy won't just eventually collapse from from reckless spending or whatever. You've got too many negatives there for me to follow. What the hell you're talking about? I have no doubt whatsoever that the current economic system is completely uns unsustainable. It cannot possibly last, and it's very close to its end. So all of this, oh, we're going to normalize sex work, and you can be a cam girl. <laughs> Forget it. I mean, it's not going to last. It's, it's all, 
it's all indulgent fantasy because there's the people who get shit done and there's the people who just ruminate on impossible things. Uh, subjectivity and nihilism and blah, 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 blah. And the people who actually get things done. And the people who just ruminate on impossible things kind of feeding off the people getting things done. And frankly, the people who getting things done get pretty fucking tired of it. And, I'm, you know, I'm not taking this out on you as an individual. I'm just talking about a general category that you kind of overlap a little bit on, right? Now, get your head out of your ass and get some things done in your life. Stop mucking it. Because why would you be drawn to this shit when the opposite is what keeps you alive? Because it takes you out of the game. Takes you out, if I don't believe there are rules or referees or umpire, it takes you out of the game. You don't have to risk. You don't have to be rejected. You can just sit around saying, well, maybe it's all an illusion. And maybe we're in a matrix. And maybe there's nothing that's real. And maybe being cam girls is really virtuous. And maybe up is down and black is white and two and two make a pony. And unicorns will pop into existence. You can ruminate on all this shit that's impossible while everyone is propping you up with reality and food and water and shit that works. And you're just kind of hanging off our jugular, mucking about with all this nonsense. And I, I say this, I know I'm sounding kind of rough on you, and I'm not. I'm saying this because I'm passionate for you to actually have a life. And you got to, I want you, I'm trying to invite you to join the tribe of people who get shit done, who believe in reality, who understand math, who deal with truth and facts and objective standards. We're out here in reality. We're building a bridge to the 22nd century and we just love for you to join us. Rather than sitting in the woods with your thumb up your ass wondering if the unicorn is real or whether you just bumped your head. Just, I'm, ju I'm trying to drop some breadcrumbs here for you to join the tribe of the living and the tribe of the getting stuff done and the tribe called reality. Because where you are is an evolutionary and psychological dead end because i'll tell you you know we think that women are romantics and i guess there's some truth in that as well but what women are in general is massively practical and when a woman comes across a guy who's like well it could be that prostitution makes you happy and it could be the drug addiction makes you happy and it could be that unprocessed child abuse makes you happy and it could be that only fans and cam whoring makes you happy and she's gonna be like holy shit I, this guy can't be a moral leader in my family. He's going to teach our kids that up is down and black and white, that they can fly, they're going to jump off a bridge and die. Or they're going to look at dad as his thumb up his ass unicorn forest guy who's never going to be able to teach them anything useful. And they won't have any respect for him, which means all of the burden of disciplining the children and giving them reasonable standards falls on me. I don't want that job. I want a dad who's going to actually know truth and facts and reality and morality. Do you see what I mean? She's not going to want you. So then you're drawn to this open nihilist woman on the internet. Because you're kind of soulmates, right? Yeah. And I'm just... in. There's, there's a whole tribe of, of people who... Practical people who achieve things in the real world. And we're begging you to join us. Because if you're not joining us, you're feeding off us. How do you make your living? I'm unemployed. You see? Yeah. How are you paying yeah, your bills? Uh, I was about to, my parents. Right. You're 27 years old. You're unemployed. When was your last job? Um, August. And what was the job? Oh, July. I was an English teacher. Where? In China. But you speak Chinese, right? Or Mandarin, sorry. 
Yeah. Okay. And well, that's for, through that your good, mom? But not, not that good, no. My mom doesn't speak it. I, I, I'm very... My Chinese is not that good. Right. And how long did you work that job for? Um, since January of, of, uh, that's all, that's the only really work I've done. I've just been bouncing around Asia doing English teaching work. And you can't get a girlfriend college. as an English teacher in Asia. It's not the hardest thing in the world as far as I remember from what I've heard. Well, like I said, I've had many, uh, casual relationships, but I don't, I don't really pick, pick one, the one girl I wanted to be my girlfriend. I kind of blew it with, she wasn't even perfect. She wasn't even ideal for me anyways. She's my friend now though. How did you blow it? Uh, I, my anger, I, I blew up, blew up at her too many times over stupid things. Sure. Well, why would you, why would you have, why would you restrain your anger if you're a nihilist? You're just expressing yourself. There's no objective standard of right and wrong. You can blow up and can't be right. Can't be bad. Can't be good. Right. So, you know, that's going to cost you, man. It's going to cost well, you. I wouldn't, I'm not like a complete nihilist. I still believe in the things you believe, most of the things. But No, you don't. I, I just, no, because you keep flirting with the dark side. Well, maybe this and maybe the opposite. And maybe the, f f the finances can continue indefinitely. Maybe we can borrow and print ourselves into wealth. And maybe you can be happy and a good mom being a cam whore, right? Right. No, you don't believe these things. Because well, if I, you I, did, you wouldn't be entertaining the direct opposite whenever confronted. That's your defense What's mechanism. Not, this is just squid ink in the water. Isn't that part of philosophy to flirt with opposing ideas? Yeah, but not to get fucked by them. You're more than flirting. You pulled them out as actual possibilities when confronted. You've, this is your way of fogging. Like if you can't dissociate and not listen at all, you just dissociate by go a nihilistic vapor, right? I think my mom does that as well, yeah. I'm sure somebody taught you. I'm sure somebody, whenever confronted, you go to, maybe the exact opposite is true, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you killed some guy. Him. Well, maybe he's alive in another dimension. Can you disprove that? Yeah, good luck with that, right? Well, I was going to say, like, you want me to join your team. I don't really have any, you know, great talents. Well, of course you don't have any great talents. That's the result of the nihilism. That's not why. That's, you, you, you don't. You didn't become nihilistic because you lack great talents. You lack great talents because you're nihilistic. Uh, that makes sense. Why would you want to build? What's the purpose? Who knows what's true? Who knows what's valid? Who knows what's reasonable? And, and plus, your parents aren't doing you any damn favors by continuing to fund this bullshit. Go out and get a, go out and get a man. Have you done a manual labor job in your life ever? Like hurt, hurt your bones, hurt your muscles, deal with reality? For one day I did. One day. Okay. <laughs> go do some manual labor, man. Even if it's a free, go volunteer somewhere. Go dig a ditch. Go dig a well. Go, go build a wall. Go do something. That's actually in the real world. That I've said this before. I have a tough time really getting into a respectful place with people who've never done any manual labor because it's too easy to indulge in this end of the empire mental masturbation stuff. Or at least, do you lift weights? Do you work out? Do you that kind of stuff? Um, occasionally, not really anymore. Right. Okay. Well, at least that's something. That, that working out is physical labor. It's something that you can't manipulate. It, it is or it isn't. You do or you don't. Right. Right. So that's uh, those. Those are my suggestions. 
And yeah, this, this is your mom. This is your mom. This is a woman. You're like, well, I don't want to be that great. But if the woman's really messed up, I'll look pretty good. Right? Which is like, you don't want to work out. You just want to be around fatter people to look thinner. Yeah, buy an old car and fix it up. Yeah, for sure. That could be something. Learn how to ride a dirt bike. Something real. Something factual. Something that's not intellectual. Because if you've not actually had to deal much with tangible, non-manipulable reality, you know, you're getting resources. <laughs> I mean, you're getting resources from your parents, like this woman's getting money from men, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's manipulation. It's, right, delusion. Will you keep me posted about how things are going? Um, probably nothing's much going to change other than my mind. I'm sorry. Sorry, probably nothing much is going to change other than, other than my mindset. But if if that, but I will, yeah. Yeah, you're probably not going to change. You just confess that to me. <laughs> but you know what? This is why uh, I do these conversations publicly. Because if you don't listen to me, at least other people will. And if you don't want to be saved, uh, then other people will. And of course, this is why you started the conversation, which should people who have bad ideas suffer. And I guess you've chosen suffering, which... Uh, We'll also teach you, I suppose, if you won't listen to reason. All right. Thanks, everyone, so much. Appreciate your time. Have a great evening. Freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show. Really appreciate everyone's time tonight. Have a great evening. I'll talk to you soon.